going on, fuckers, and welcome back to the Seki Life Podcast. Here we are, guys, episode three. We have a very special guest in the house tonight, Connor Murphy. Connor, thank you very much for joining us. Thank you very much. Thanks for having me. Pleasure is all mine. So how we usually start these is we'll do a 30-second elevator pitch. So you tell us when you started security, you know, whatever floats your boat for 30 seconds. So I started security in 2008. I said I was going to do it for six months and then get a real job and end up doing security full-time for nine years. And... What a lot of security sort of go around a different bunch of clubs and sort of find find where they are. I just worked the one place on the one door, nine years. I would say if I had to elevate a pitch to do security, to do bouncing, security different. But if you do bouncing, you probably two things, a schmuck or, or a sap. They're the only two things you can be when you do when you do bouncing. So if you met a young man or a young woman or whatever, and they said, "Connor, look, I really want to get he into wants a young woman." Let's not. Well, I'm not getting into fairness. <laughs> young, young man. If I mean a young man, yeah. You know, there's. I mean, there's young ladies in the game now. Uh, well, not so, not so young. All the yeah, ladies. No, they're ladies. Well, uh, who, what are we doing? What are we 2022, doing? Right? <laughs> and they said, "You know, Connor." I really want to get into crowd control. I think I'm a good fit. You know, I like to talk to people. My fucking de-escalation skills are off the charts. What do you think? Should I do it? So that's being from Hobart. We've got it. We've got quite a an interesting sort of uh, what's the word culture. When I, so when I used to bounce, I used to like to look up a few like stats and stuff because they say that Hobart has a really low uh, has a really low assault rate. Well, they must have just been doing it in front of me because I used to just watch people getting in fights all the time, especially at, as you know, there's two different fights. There's a fight upstairs and then there's fights out on the street. And they've got, they're, they're two different beasts as far as I'm concerned. You've got a lot more room to swing them in the streets, up in the club, yeah, people, but they're normally bumping into people and falling on the ground straight away. Yeah. So we've got a really low assault rate, but I'd, I don't believe that, just from my own experience, and I don't know about yours. But what the interesting thing with Hobart is we've got an above average, well, we used to, we used to have above average threat rate, so threatening people, which is makes it, you grew up, you grew up here? Basically, yeah. So um, I was born in Sydney, lived there for about yep. seven years, and then moved to the Apple Isle. Yeah, so I think anyone from Hobart, or whatever, like, you know that... Someone's going to start a fight. It doesn't take long before you turn 18 before someone has has a go at you. Like, have you ever heard the joke? you ever heard the joke, um, uh, what's the first question they ask you at a new Norfolk trivia night? Uh, no. What is, what's the answer? What the fuck are you looking at? Uh, yeah, okay. <laughs> so, but I'm just saying, so you're, you're entering a climate, you're, you're entering a culture where, as a bouncer, I think it's weird, you're going to get threatened, or, like, you're going to get threatened a lot, and then where you can actually stick up for yourself and stuff in, in a law capacity, it's, it's quite iffy. So I would just say to anyone, like, as soon as you touch anyone, they want to go to the cops, which we've all sort of seen, like, that can just end in disaster. But then you've got to put up with the threats and you've got to put up with all the other nonsense. So I would say to anyone who wants to get into the game, don't do it. You're a schmuck, you're a sap, do something else. In saying that, all the bouncers, or not all of them, you sort of have a split, I think. You have the bouncers who are really motivated and want to, as a second job, get ahead in life, do all that sort of stuff, and, you make, and you're working with some great guys. Then you've got guys who just can't put on their shoes. Like, they just can't. They can't do anything. And they sort of turn up. 
and they can't even sign the crowd control register properly. And they just, like, they need total baby. So you got the two, I think there's just two, like, there's no one in between. Neither the time should yeah. be. I used to, when I used to do security at the hospital, there was a fellow that worked there and he was, what you just mentioned, could barely tie his shoes right. Couldn't really spell his name correctly. And I just remember um, rocking up to Obar for, I think it was my first shift at the old Obar. You were, weren't around, obviously. And I look up in the, who's working in the VIP section, it was him. And I was thinking, holy dooly. Yeah. It's, it attracts, it attracts these, the thing is with doing bouncing, is you've got to be quite like socially like apt. You've got to be quite socially switched on. And then it just you just get these opposite people who are attracted to it. I remember there was a guy who was working at a, at a just like, you know, like a blue collar bar that used to be across the road. And he asked some guys to leave and they told him to F off. And he started crying. Ooh. Like, but you get these people, you're like, why are you here? Like, why yeah. are you doing this job? I yeah. think with bouncing too... There's so much nowadays. I, I don't know what it is because, like I said, you're you're a bit of a schmuck if you do it because you know you can get people. You'll get a lot of people who want to start a fight with it. Do everything. You'll do everything you can to avoid it. Then it'll come down to that it has to get physical. You don't want it to. It does. They're the first one to the police station, like because they were just looking. I don't know what they're looking for. They're looking to get something their own. Well, we've all heard about. You're like we've all heard someone where it's happened to, and you know, and so. So you've got to deal with that and you've got to deal with this whole thing. Also, like, just going on a rant. When I first started bouncing, I used to kick people out or wouldn't let people in if they were on ecstasy. So, you know, they'd be moving their hands and chewing their face off. I'd be like, enough. Within that nine years, ecstasy sort of came out because it like went out because it was getting too hard to get and expensive or whatever. And meth came in. And I, I feel like no one watched Breaking Bad and saw that it's like... Terrible drug, terrible drug. And people started smoking meth. And so then you got to deal with meth heads. So if I ever saw someone on ecstasy, I'm like, come on, come on yep. in. Yep. So you're dealing with, you know, you're dealing with, what, if, and would you agree that you just, I mean, how many times did you get threatened when you were bouncing? Could you count? Look, uh, I, I lose count, to be honest. It would have been a lot. Like even probably one weekend at the telly would be enough to knock grand scale numbers off, off yeah. the list. And what happens is you, is something that's not really good, but you just it becomes just your normal, you know. Oh, this is just part of the job, and someone's that's calling exactly. you a fucking dog cunt. I'm going to come find you and kill you, and you're sure just you. like most of the time it's just water off a dust back. But then sometimes it's not, mm. and then uh, like you said, it can get dicey because, like you said, a lot of people you know want to poke the bear, and then sometimes you give them a little bit back, and because maybe they've had a couple drinks or you know they're just untrained individual, something happens to them. And then they go, you know, oh, this is, and cry about it. There, you know, one that I always talk about, which I brought up with Hodgie, was working the telly, you know, nice and easy, older fella, probably in his late 40s. Look, mate, you've had enough to drink time to go. He goes, yeah, 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 too easy. Walks to the first door and then pushes me. And I'm like, what the fuck, mate? So I push him back, not even hard, falls over. I'm like, for fuck's sake. So I help him up. We get out the door and then he latches onto the old telegraph barricade. I'm like, what are you going to do with that? So I'm dragging him as he's just holding on to it, and then I get his grip out, and then I just gave him the old heave-ho, and he sort of went across the road and skidded on his knees and hands, and then he, like, sat on his ass and looked at me and looked at his scuffed hands and was like, oh, that was too rough, as he started to cry. And I was like, mate, who touched who first here? Like, if you didn't want that, why did you do it? You know, it always, always happens like that. 
And another story that comes to mind was working in a new O-Bar and there was a fella was checking IDs and I was like having a chit-chat with, I think it was Hodgie, we were having a chin wag and then we just, it just sounded like Rocky pounding meat and we look and there's this fella and he's just punching the the security that was checking the ID. So we run down, we lock him up, you know, he's on the ground and then the fella that was, you know, that was checking IDs that was getting pummeled, he gets his street justice in and just, yeah, you know, while this guy's getting held down, you just... He copped a couple of licks and like, oh, probably just, you know. Yeah, and, and like, you can't, let's be honest, you can't do that. And, 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 a, and a court of law would tell you that you seriously can't do that yeah. and would just would absolutely throw the book at you. I think a lot of young people or whoever get into the game thinking that because you've got these regulations and stuff that, oh, you can remove someone from a bar. Well, that's great, but it's still assault. Like, you still, if they say, oh, you've got assaulted this, that and the other, and it's just like the cops say, because the cops go, well, look, we've just collected the evidence. That's for the court to decide. So what, now you're going to have to buy, uh, pay for a lawyer that's 400 bucks an hour to do this? And then if you're lucky, the police, the, the courts go after, you know, they drag through the courts for 12 months, go, yeah, you know what? You were justified to do that. All right, great. Can I get my money back? No. No, you're lucky. You, you're lucky. You just got off. We just said that you weren't guilty. Pay your three grand to your lawyer, go through your stuff, and you're back there. So I just feel that people are really naive. They think that they can do... Or they'll say, oh, that guy just hit you or threw a punch at you. You have the right to, to hit him. But no, you don't. You don't have any of these... You don't have any of these rights. The, the funny thing is going back to, going back to uh, the threats is how many times you call the cops or the cops be walked past. There some guys turned up eight times... You know, you wouldn't let him in, so that's justified that I'm going to stay behind and shoot you or something. But they give you a direct threat. As soon as someone gave me a direct threat, I wasn't letting them within spitting distance of me. Like, I'm not, I'm not taking that chance. Like, I'm not, you're not, all right, you just gave up all your rights to come anywhere near me. Like, why am I, why am I going to take the, the risk of you coming towards me and doing the flying head bar? I mean, have you seen, did you ever see any security, like, get there? teeth knocked out or get hit and you're just like oh you clutch I saw that happening from I saw that happening from a mile away yeah uh, not so much in the bouncing or that I can't remember anyway but uh, I see a lot of it at the hospital currently um, in the psych ward you'll have security and they stand up against a wall with their hands in the pockets and um, <clears throat> patient does one flyby realises that the guard's not really paying attention then does another flyby not paying attention and the next one whisker uppercut left hook and the guard goes oh what the fuck you know and you go well mate how many times have i got to tell you you didn't read the signs you yeah. can't pick up danger you can't yeah. do those sorts of things yeah you're like i have i have a story where this guy got kicked out i don't know what he's what, what happened uh, he got kicked out and he was just he just seemed a little bit off like i'm like hey man you just got kicked out and he's looking at me with a blank look on his face like getting quite comprehended and he's like let me back in I'm like, nah, man, you can't come back in. The guy's upstairs. I don't know. You know, you're always like, oh, yeah, yeah those yeah, guys yeah. are jerks, but That's I'm a good bloke. Like, I'm the voice of reason. I understand what happened was was a travesty, but they're the rules. And then he just sort of didn't take that. Like, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, thanks for you for being a decent bloke. Because I usually, most people just want to say face. Like, even if they got kicked out, you're like, yeah, it's boring crap, mate. Like, they're, you're really lucky that they didn't. 
that you're a nice guy and you didn't show what was going on. And they go, oh, yeah, yeah, you're right. Like, I can save face now and just walk off. But he was just, this guy was just having, like, a blank look on his face. And he's like, no, I want to come back in. I said, look, oh, look, look, mate. And I pointed over to a bar across the road. And I said, just go over there. And I'm looking at the bar and I'm pointing and talking how to get in there. And he just cracks me in the face. Like, he just cracks me in the face. And I sort of, like, spin around. I'm just like, and then turn back around. We're getting a little bit of a wrestle and stuff. He ends up on the ground and something happened to him. He like cut his head open, it, it, which is easy to happen once you get on the ground yeah. and stuff like that. The police end up turning up and uh, they're just like, oh, what happened? The crowd that was watching it just said, oh, the bouncer just belted him for no reason. <laughs> what the hell? I'm like, what the hell is going on? Like, what is happening? Yeah. Police go up and see the footage and just see me get king here and just really, but. You know, you can get you get yourself, you get all these signs of you just like, oh, I've got to get out of this game. I've got to get out of this game. But you just turn up the next night. Yeah, the, well, that's the thing, isn't it? Because I remember, uh, you know, a couple of years into my security career, just thinking, what the fuck am I doing? Like, mm. I've got to do something else. But the longer that I stayed, the harder that I found that it was to get out. Just because people were like, oh, what have you been doing for the last five years? And you go, oh, security. And they just go, oh. What, what do you mean? What, what, who, which people? Like uh, job interviews and stuff, yeah, yeah. like uh, you know, the time I was trying to go for a call centre job, and they're like, "Oh, your skills don't transfer." I'm like, "What are you talking about?" Like, I talk to people all the time. Just tell them that you conflict tell them, tell resolution. Them that you're, tell them that you're a prison inmate. Like, you're probably better off getting. Oh, you go. At least you're re- re- rehabilitated. Like, <laughs> yeah. you got the job because they sort of look at you when you're security, and you're like, "What? What's that got to do?" It's like, no, no, I managed, I managed eighteen people, and they're just like. Yeah, but not like real, but it's not a real skill. So I no, no, I just told these people couldn't tie their shoelaces. I've always, I've always compared bouncers to like just, they're just strippers for men. Like you, you turn up, they've all got, or well, not all of them, but a lot of them, have, like, <laughs> a lot of them have head issues. Like they're crazy. They've got these, yep. you know, like, and everything's volatile. You get on the drink with bouncers and it's just like, it ends in tears, like with girls. It's so. But, yeah, so I managed, you know, possibly the most difficult workforce that you can manage. Then, nah, nah, see you later. See you later. Go get, go get a job. Go get a, go get a job at the Blue Line Laundry or something like that. So I think it's a waste of time, too, trying to transfer your skills over. Yeah. Look, I remember an interviewer saying, oh, what'd you do? And I said, oh, I work security, blah, 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 security supervisor, rolling off all this stuff. Oh, so you never worked at McDonald's or anything like that? And I'm going, for fuck's sake. You're yeah. telling me that I was better off if I said, yeah, yeah, I did McDonald's for three years, you know, punching in the orders and taking people's cash than I was now. Like, your job is literally talking to people and having, you know, being able to use conflict resolution. Like, that's in the bag, mate. Yeah. No. Nah. Like, rostering, nah. talking to people, and I think you've mentioned before, it's like conflict resolution. So, no, with people face-to-face, you're seeing the angry customer. Yeah. With no, you know, they can't, you can't reason with them. And it's just like, yeah, no, but you didn't, you haven't worked at a call center before. Like, you know, we have to deal with angry grandmothers yeah. who just didn't get the, whose internet is cutting out and apparently it's your fault. So, no, no, yeah. I've dealt with people on meth threatening to bite my nose off. Yeah. And, you know, got, you know, and, and had a successful conflict uh, resolving, uh, uh, I don't know, case or whatever. So, yeah, so where do you, so, you do the job, like you're just you're just a grunt. You're an e- you're easy pickings for the person too. If they want to get back at you, they know where you are. You know, two three nights a week, 
they find out off their mates who you are. You never know who they are. And then, yeah, so you've got all these, you've got all these, and then if they come back, they come back with their mates. You've got all that sort of stuff. And then on top of all the bull crap you have to put up with, you can't transfer your skills over when you want to go and get like a real job in inverted commas. Well, that's a, that's definitely a true one. Lucky for me, when I was working in the hospital, it was an easy transition into the medical orderlies. And once I had my foot in the medical orderlies, which, you know, patient transfers and stuff, but apparently that's more of a, a skill that people want. Then what, what do you mean? Well, like, so I was able to jump to different positions, which I wouldn't have been able to jump to if I said, oh, I was just been doing security for the last X amount of years. Oh, you've been doing, you know, working in the hospital, you've been yeah. patient interaction, all this stuff, and I was just a bit blown away by, okay, yeah, one's, one's better than the other, but that's the way it is, I guess, unfortunately. So nine years with the same company. Must have been some love there. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, like... I shouldn't have. Number one, you shouldn't. You shouldn't bounce for that long. I think you just become. I think you just become jaded. I think it's you get. So you get when you're 21 and you're putting up with another 21 year old's crap. Like it's not too bad. But when you become 31 and you're putting up with another 21 year old's crap, you're like, why am I? Why am I doing this? So yep. start I mean, to question a lot more. Yeah. Yeah. So it's. I don't, you do meet those cool people when you're out and you have a bit of a gas bag and then there's all these like women who like to flirt with you who can just boost your ego up, which is great. But then you get these people who you just don't want in your life. You just don't want them. And when I got out of the game, I was just like, I realised how many people in my life who I just like despised and didn't want them in there. And afterwards you get this peace because you're like, I don't deal with, I don't deal with F-wits anymore. Like it doesn't happen. So again, going back to the, to the thesis, my elevator pitch: don't do it. You, you're just a, you're just a schmuck. You're just a schmuck for doing. What what are the perks? Like what are the perks? Meaning meaning women, but then they're all crazy. Like not all of them. A lot of them are just crazy. They see you. They see you in the security uniform, and you just say they start coming up to you, and it's like, oh, yeah, I know you are. You don't have a dad. Uh, you, you know your relationship with your dad. He's really selling this here. <laughs> Yeah, your relationship with your dad's lousy. You are, you know, your, your stepdad had boundary issues with you, and then you just now, for some reason, you're uh, you're attracted to us, or that the person next to them who they went out with is just absolutely shit faced, and they're just like they're just they're just off the show, and they don't want to be with them anymore. So they turn around and see a semi sane person. That's one of the perks. Uh, other than that, what is it like? You get tinnitus in your ears and just you know leave. How good is tinnitus though? Oh yeah, you know, get home, yeah. when you when you first go to the doctor and you say, "Hey, like my ears are ringing all the time," Can't sleep, and he goes, "Oh yeah," and you're just like, "Yeah, yeah." Can you? What are we going to do for that? And he goes, "Oh, there's no cure," and you just go, yeah. "Oh, for fuck's sake!" Because when I started, like you know, 19 years old working at Isobar, I remember rocking up and like the earbuds weren't a thing. Yeah, yeah. And you just like, and then I remember doing a shift and I said, "Mate, like." It's killing my ears. You get, like, have we got those oh, things that tradies? They look at you like you're a leper. Like, oh, what are you, some sort of fag? Like, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and the goes, we don't have any, but I can sticky tape your ear holes. Yes. And Great I was idea. like, mate. Great idea. Just, just, just do it. <laughs> just do it. Yeah, and he just had the sticky tape and like play out all the sticky tape. But I thought, you know, whatever it takes, because if you're where you used to get positioned in ISO bar, I mean, you're basically next to a speaker. Even 
on the best days when someone makes a call and you just hear <laughs> when you're next to a speaker you don't you just you hear even less than that <laughs> yeah. and all you're doing is watching to see where the other guard runs to and then you sort of respond after that because you got no fucking clue yeah. you know they could be saying oh can we just bring some ice down to the front door and you're just flying yeah, you yeah, know yeah. you're off yeah. Because you're just like, well, if I don't respond, I'm going to get in trouble. Or, you know, your your buddies could be getting their ass handed to them or, or whatever. I don't like I, Like I said, I'm not I'm not selling this game to you. But I don't actually know any perks. If, yeah. if you're a guy who likes getting your ego stroked, which we all do. I mean, we all want to be cool. We all want to be, yeah, I'm the man. I get girls, like, girls showed me attention. Because outside of that, outside of bouncing... It's quite hard to get any girl's attention nowadays. <laughs> like, I don't know how you do what And what do you do nowadays? You go on Tinder yeah. or something like that, whatever people do, and you go and, you go and meet some 300-kilo behemoth behind a colex bin and get a, get, you know, get a blowjob. Yeah. Yeah. They told you yeah. that they were 100 kilos, like you're a winner. So <laughs> Everyone's a winner. Baby. Have you ever been on Tinder? <laughs> Yeah. Well, yeah, yes, I've never, I ne- I've never, You've never been. Yeah, no, mate, I just don't want to ever open that door, Jesus. Yeah, okay. So, one question though. So, like, I don't know what it's for, like other people, but for me, working security for a while, I'm less in. I don't really enjoy. I'm like, I start to now because I haven't done crowd control for a while. But when I was working crowd control, can't even speak. Yeah. I never really wanted to go out to venues because I don't like heaps of people rubbing up against yeah. you know it's loud and it's like well when i go to work it's loud i don't really want to go on to somewhere where it's loud and all those type of things i just try and stay away because then you also see the people that you know maybe you booted the week yeah. before and you just don't want that trouble but then it's kind of like what you're saying with the girls and it's like well you know you got to a pub you can't even hear what's going on so how are you gonna have a conversation yeah yeah well I, I didn't find that i found if it was a night out if i got a night out i'd go out and and i loved it yeah but um yeah, that was just different. I used to like, in my 20s, I used to love partying anyway and going out and just writing myself off. Yep. So then you could... Just in your 20s? Just, yeah, pr- pretty much, really. <laughs> There's a couple times in my 30s, <laughs> but it was a downward slope. Like, I didn't go, I didn't go out that much in my, thir- in my 30s. So that, so that was good. You go out, and then especially if you could cut the lines... You could do whatever, you'd be like... And if that person you did see out was usually other bouncers would know that you're a bouncer and go, yeah, that guy clearly has a problem with you when you bounce and then get kicked out before before, uh, they'd ever... I don't think I ever got kicked out as a bouncer. People look after you a lot more. So you probably could write yourself off. But that's not a bonus. No. You know what I mean? Like none of this is a... None of it's a bonus. Well, I remember when I used to work also bar back in the day when Nick McKenzie and Shaw Dean were, uh, you know, the, what do you, yeah, work they, they were the cover models yeah. for, for Isobar. And I remember it was my birthday and I came around the corner. So if you think about where the post street is, you come around the corner to where the entry is. And I like fully ran into the, like I was so cooked. I fully ran into the wall. I was crawling up the ramp and they're like, yeah, come on in here. <laughs> <laughs> and yeah, they'll just give you, oh, you should have seen yourself. Well, like, that you night I ended up in this room, like out the, it was called the green room and I was there with this chick and um, she had her legs draped over mine and I remember just spewing chunks and she was wearing fishnet stockings and I just thought, what the hell? And I got carried out by my mates and they told me the next day, they said that, you know, Shaw was laughing at you. He goes, fuck, look at the state Eric's in. And I just thought, you know. So I guess, you know, one hand it's good, one hand not so good because, you know, I probably would have left and went home hours early and not blown the chunks. Um. <laughs> yeah, not, not blown all your money either. 
But yeah, I don't know. Like it's different when you're that age and everything's exciting and new. And then, but you become jaded, I think, and you you see <coughs> stuff and you've like you can guarantee I know how the fight started. You you were trying to chat up someone's girl girlfriend. You cut into a line, and what else? If there's a pool table, it's pool. That's about it. Like that's about what's happened. That's about what's happened. Other than that, like nothing new happens. It's always the same fights for the same reason. And they're not, I don't even call them fights because in my whole time, I could look at you honestly and say, in nine years of, of bouncing, I probably saw five fights where two guys went, oh, do you want to do this? Let's do this out in the car park. And, and, and you know, and started going, yeah, all right, done. Other than that, it'd be like people arguing and then one guy's going, I'll get the first hit in here. And then once you get the first hit in, Usually if it's a good one, the other guy's done. So you go, oh, we saw a fight. It's like, you didn't. You just saw someone get hit and then they were pushing shit uphill for the next 15 <laughs> seconds, you know? And they're like, oh, I bashed him. It's like, yeah, you threw the first punch, which you have to, I guess, because you get this game theory going on. So if he's, if I don't throw the first punch, he'll throw the first punch. And then if he does that, I'm in trouble. So I'll throw you like, and whoever throws the first punch, I'd like to see the stats on it. It must be like a 90% win yeah. rate. It reminds me of if you ever go watch amateur boxing and the pe- the person that is the most aggressive, aggressive. Yeah. always wins. Yeah. Because they just come out swinging. It doesn't matter if it's clean technique. They just come out swimming, swimming, swinging, overwhelm the other person. They and stop then, fights a lot of the time, the amateurs, just because the other guy's like overwhelming. Them. Yeah. Not, obviously not at that top level, but you no. watch like the league or whatever. Yeah. yeah. And then you're just like, oh, that shouldn't have even got stopped. It's an interesting one to see, but yeah, look, I uh, I totally agree with you there. It's some of the fights aren't really fights. You none still... of them, none of them. Are. Like <laughs> yeah, seriously, you... five fights in nine years. I could say two people said let's do this, yeah. and there was like that distance between them where they both knew they were going to do it, and they had to use a little bit of skill and try and get that first punch in. Yep. Five five fights, five fights. The rest were just like, what you say? What you boom done? Yeah, okay. When I was working in the Gold Coast, I was working at this um, tavern and there was these two fellas and they were like, fuck you, fuck you. I don't know, maybe there was some, you know, logistic things going on there because at the pubs over there, they'd have locals and if you weren't a local, usually they gave you a bit of trouble. So there was a play, kid's playground across the street and they walked over there and they both took a mate with them. Like, I don't know, maybe this was, I thought, what is this going to be, tag team or something? Mm. Like one tags out. And it was literally, you always say the same thing, someone loads the right hand, yeah. and they take a couple steps and you know see if they can swing that, and this is what that one fella, let's say the fella on this side was going to do, he'd line it up, he'd line it up, he'd go take a swing, and the other fella ducked down and like rugby tackle yeah. And then they'd stop. The two friends would stop it, and they'd get up, and they'd start again, and I was like, what? Oh, so it's, like some weird, it's like some weird bare knuckle rules. <laughs> yeah. I'm with, like, what is going on? And... And, and so they restarted him, and exactly the same thing happened. The guy swung the right hand, the other one ducked underneath, took him down. And the, and the fellow that was on with the guy that was swinging the right hand was like, what the fuck are you doing? That's not the rules. And I was like, what the fuck is going on here? Yeah. And they stood him back up and they said, you can't do that again. And I was thinking, what? Is someone going to penalise yeah. this man for what he's doing? Yeah. Take a point. Well, funny thing is, like, you got this pub going on behind you and they're all security's facing and watching this fight because yeah. it's so ridiculous. And then it's fucking same thing happened. Swung, took him down. But this time, the guy that was saying, oh, this is against the rules, he just walked up and started stomping the other fucking guy on the head. And uh, and then just, it was... You just got to shrug your shoulders, right? Because yeah. It's like when you watch two, two uh, 
like four-year-olds trying to make a game. You see that the game kind of starts off as soccer, but then one of them starts using a superpower. Yeah. And then it's just like he starts going with his hand. And he's like, no, no, I just blocked that with my yeah. yeah. And, yeah. Just like, and then the game just becomes incredible. And yeah. that's what happened. Like they had exactly. these silly games, and then the guy came in with his super force field and stomped it. And just like, oh, you didn't know I could do that because it's the street. Yeah. And there was this other, because it was the same company, and uh, I used to work down in Burley Heads, and I was working with this fellow who was, I don't know, married or whatever, but he was young, he was like 18, and he was super duper angry, like he must have had a very traumatic childhood, and fucking things just to set him off. And there was a couple, and they were like a fair bit across the street, and on this walkway, you know, with him you could see them, but he was watching, and it was like, to the outside eye, you could see the missus just nagging 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 and i'm not condoning family violence but then he just face pushed her away and said can you just fuck off right but the three hours prior she was in there calling him a fucking you're this you're that you're this and then he just got up and walked away and she followed him outside anyway this guy that i'm with he's going oh, if he fucking touches her i'm gonna kill him i'm like Bro, are you all right mate like why are you getting so involved in this like call the coppers You've got you one thing. Once you leave these steps, you you can't do shit. Like unless he's going to belt her. But uh, to you can't me, can't do shit on the steps. So I need to put that in. <laughs> yeah, well, I mean, it looks like to Continue. me he's just creating distance from her. Yeah, and he's walking away, and she's following him and slapping him on the back of the head, and he's like pushing her away, pushing her away, and then he shoved her, and then she fell over, and this guy was like a pit bull and just fucking yeah. ran across the street. That, you get a lot of the hero complex going on, and he just you know like. You could just hear the pounding of this fella from across the street. But the funny thing was is, like, this fella that he was beating up was, like, this real skinny bloke that was covered in tattoos, you know, like your typical mm. alternative. So he's pounding this guy, and, like, he just gets tired and gets up and just goes, oh. And this guy stands right up and goes, is that all you fucking got? And I was like, <laughs> And then this, so the security leaping left hooks him, and the guy just takes it on his chin, and he's like... Was he on the meth? He, he must have been on something because he was just getting pounded and he was just taking it like a champ, you know. Like, I thought, fuck, if I ate one of those jabs, I'm dead. <laughs> yeah. yeah, he probably was. He was probably on the crystal pistol. Yeah, yeah. Going, yeah. But, uh, I mean, that ha- it's funny you say that about women because, so one of the things I've found, noticed in, in, in bouncing is how people just can't pick danger. Like they can't pick what's going to happen and you've been bouncing long enough you literally know it's like chess moves. You did that. You did that. I know what's going. Like I know what's going to happen. And a lot of the time, like I said, people guys just want to save face. So you wouldn't let a guy in because he's dressed like a scumbag. And then he's like, "What do you mean I can't get in with this crappy whatever? You know, my thirty dollar kit all up, and you know I'm wearing a Hessian bag for God's sake." And you're just like, "Look, man." You're like, look, man, I didn't dress you. Like, I didn't tell you to put the Hessian bag on with the with the with the flip flops. And yeah. you know, I don't know, I don't know who wears. I don't even know who wears G Star anymore. Like, what are you talking about? And then you just be like, look, man, sorry. You tell you like, look, man, sorry. I don't get the dress code, but they just don't want that yeah. in. And then they'd be willing to walk off, but they're looking at you and they're with their missus, and they're just about to walk off. And the girl, oh, the missus comes back, goes, why won't you let them in? And so now you're there and I just, I just look at him puzzled and I'm like, this is really awkward. I just told him why I can't let him in. Why? What do you, see, told you to come. And anyway, and then she's like, are you scared of him? And then it just like starts being, and now you've brought the guy back over. Yeah. You're talking to his woman now. Yeah. Now it's just, you know, and you're getting a little bit like, I don't know what to say to you anymore, lady. Like you seem like you're semi-retarded. <laughs> I can't tell you anything. I can't tell you any, any, anything else. 
And then it's like, don't speak to my, not that you'd say that, but it's like, don't speak to my missus. And then you end up, there ends up being a push and shove or something. Yep, yep. And it was just like, lady, why couldn't you just have picked the mood, picked what was going on, picked what the scenario was. And, and But no, you'd always get a woman come in. That was a lot of the time that a woman would come in hysterical because that's what's in their nature and then just blow everything out of report. You get two guys happy to walk away and they go like, oh, God, <laughs> and start grabbing you. So you're like pushing her away because she's grabbing you. Then the man's like, don't touch my woman. And then you're like, oh, hell breaks loose. It's like, why didn't you just pick that? It was just two guys with pride wanting to walk away from each other. I would say, I would say there'd have to be a high percentage of, of, Fights that break out because the woman's just decided to become hysterical, yeah. and it's because they have ovaries. Let's be honest. And so, <laughs> biology lesson. Here, yeah, it's just a biology. It's science. Yeah. It's science. It's what science. about you know? You get some real scumbag looking people, and you just go. You just make something up super quick, and yeah. you just go, "Yeah, look, sorry, mate, we don't Intox. do Adidas shoes." Intox. Yeah, and they just go, "Oh, yeah, yeah, cool," and then they walk off, but they stand probably five meters away, and then you get another bloke and he's wearing Adidas shoes, and you're just like, "I fucking know where this is yeah, going to go." Yeah, if yeah. I let this bloke in, they come back. Yeah, yeah, and it's yeah. like, well, you know, what do I do here? Yeah, you just you you tell them to go away, or you go like, "Just wait a moment, mate. Yeah. I'm just having trouble yeah. with this guy." Yeah. Can you? back a bit later and I'll help you out but then they're just being one around but I mean what they're doing is essentially picking a fight like they're just around waiting for you to try and pick up on some technicality then what do they do they yell at you and that's why I said like when a man starts yelling at another man you're like what's going on here are you going to hit me or what's yeah. why are you yelling at me I'm a man you're a man we have a code that you just don't start yelling at each other over stews so what's what's going to happen here yeah, because we're not we're not women. Like women will yell at each other, and they're like, "I don't like your bag. It's not a Gucci." And then they'll be like, "Piss off, you scrag! You with my yeah, yeah. my brothers." You know, and then they walk off. But guys don't do that. It's just okay. He's yelling at me. Something's going to happen here. And so, and especially like I said, once they've said anything to a threat, you've lost all privileges to come anywhere within striking distance with me. Yeah, of course. Course. And and I and, and in nine years I'm probably the only one who who avoided a belting. Like I got hit a couple of times, yep. sucker punched, nothing like really bad. Yep. But everyone else, I know, copped an ass whooping. I I think I was pretty lucky. Um, you know, I didn't get. I think I've been working security for about twelve years before I got punched in the face, and that was you know I mentioned it on episode one. It was just this real sloppy entry. You know, the other guard had him in a hold that wasn't super whatever and I did a little lazy and then I copped a little fucking how's your father you know not big not not big but enough to trigger you you know into the full rage mode to just go but I was at the end of my line there and probably shouldn't have been working crowd control anymore because it was like I just thought everyone was a cunt like even if you were nice I didn't want to talk to you I just thought everyone was a cunt it was just like you know get away from me blah 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 Especially working in a venue like the Telegraph, like it really, if you ever had any, you know, empathy or compassion and you imagined it was like a battery working at that place, it ends up at fucking empty pretty goddamn yeah. quick. Yeah. And look, I think, like I left the, I left bouncing the way any should bounce it should be in handcuffs. <laughs> like, like either that or you cop that, like you just cop that, you cop that whooping. Yeah. You just cop yeah. the whooping and... This is where I was green and I thought if someone hits you, you can hit them back 
or whatever. Like yeah. that's your defense. Like in all fa- fairness, if someone hits you, if someone assaults you, I was like, there's nothing to stop this guy assaulting me again. Yeah. Like wh- where's the line stop? But you know, that's not how the courts work. The courts work in a different way. They just go, no, you know, we've got case law that says this, we've got case law that says that. And also depending on whichever magistrate you get, it is has a big thing to play. So like when, when I left, because after we, like a few of us, uh, left the way we did, I was like, so what happened to me is a guy spat on me. So I slapped him around the face and kicked him in the leg. And it was like, because I thought, boom, boom, done. It's done. He's no way he's going to spit on me again. Yep. This isn't over. This is Australia. People just can't go around spitting on you. Of course. You know what I mean? But that's not how the courts look at it. The courts go, you were spat on. That's the end of the assault. Anything after that is a retaliatory job. Because he, when I when I slapped the guy, he took a step back. And the court said, he took a step back. He's no longer aggressive. Yep. My argument was, why wasn't he just taking a step back to get another good lurgy on me? But that's yeah. not how they look. That's yeah. not how they look at it. So you've got to navigate this. You've got to navigate people making threats. Are they serious or not? Like, you know, because some people are just chirping, but am I going to be the guy that watches, you know, I watch people get their, their teeth head butted out because they weren't taking it seriously. Yeah. And then you've got, you know, that case where you're like, oh, well, someone spits on you. You're a man. You're not going to let people spit on you all the time. And then you go, no, that's not how it works. You're off. Yeah, so it's just a shit fight. Like the whole place is a. I just think it's a lose lose. And I'm I, because you sort of go no because guys have a cut. Like, spat on me. Yeah. It's uh, he gets slapped around. He gets slapped around the face. Yeah. Well, I mean, if you spit on someone, it's fucking pretty disgusting. And I th- feel like if you spit on someone, you should be fully accepting of what happens after. Yeah, you. but people aren't. This is what you know, like. Most of the people who go out are just cow. They're like they just. You just see so many cowardly. You see so many cowardly acts when you're out. So it's like, oh, why should this be any different? I really feel too like there's just a different set of rules for security compared to because you brought up in your first podcast about um the bouncer from Oba and uh, from not not from there from Isobar. Yeah. And see I I think what what you said I th- was inaccurate because I knew the other bouncer who was on that night and he right. told me everything. He used to train with me, he was a solid source, he wasn't bullshit or anything. And again, granted what happened shouldn't have happened. But yeah. it's always the same thing. Can you take your hoodie off? No. And then you're in this position like, I'm, I'm going to fight this guy because his hoodie's on. Yeah. Like, he should have been stopped at the door. You should just go, you should have just said, there's no hoodies, period. It doesn't matter where you, whether you got it around your waist, you're carrying it, you swear on your mother's grave, you're never going to wear it again, like whatever. Yep. Uh, this is a story from my, my source. Yep. And he yep. was like, look, it just got out of control really quickly. This sure. guy started getting aggressive. And, and the guy who, I, who was the other bouncer, he, he'd had a couple of MMA fights. Like he was a pretty solid yep. sort of guy, like pretty could handle himself. He's like, the guy got out of control. I was trying to grab him. And like I couldn't, like he was just going crazy and it was hard for me. Anyway, what, what happened with the bouncer was he ended up in a crappy position. He was getting hit. But once he choked the guy out, he essentially, what the courts are, they like dropped him on his face. Some say threw him on his face, whatever. Yep. That's where the serious assault happened. Yep. So the, the the judge said, and you can read the ruling, the judge said, look, that may have all been well and good. Let's just say it was. Yep. 
you now have responsibility for that guy who's unconscious. Yeah, and throwing okay. him on his face isn't responsibility yeah. or dropping him or whatever the sure. wording was. And you're doing three months. So, okay, you're doing three months. You're going to cop it in the chin like a man. Meanwhile, at the same time, there's a, or a similar time, there's a lawyer who goes, who was a lawyer in all the courts around the place, well known in the criminal courts, went out to, went out to one of the bars in Salamanca, got pissed, tried to jump in on this date that was going on, like they're just having a pizza on one of the tables. The guy says to this lawyer, look, man, can you just leave? I'm on a date with my girlfriend. And the lawyer pretend, pretends to get up and leave. And as he pretends to leave, he just like turns his body to clock and wind up the momentum and smack the guy and break the guy's eye socket or something along those lines. He got a, he got a suspended sentence. So he started, he created the whole scenario and he gets a suspended sentence. Yeah. The bouncer, okay, whatever. You can say you shouldn't have done it, but you were put into a shit situation and they're like, we're throwing the book at you. Yeah. And just like, well, it's a, like one person went up and, and premeditated. I mean, because he went to get up and said, no, I'm not doing it. I'm not a lawyer, but that's pre, you don't need much for premeditation. It's like, no, the guy's peed me off. I could have left, but I came back and hit him instead. And it's just like, so where's the difference? At the same time, the great thing is they both had the same lawyer, so you can't use that as a variable. Oh, okay. Yeah, they both went and got one of the best lawyers in Hobart. You can't use that as a variable. So what's happening to the security guard that's so... Yeah, it's because you're a grunt. You're a shit kicker. Yeah, it's a and, security. Uh, you know, I am surprised that the, the individual didn't get a suspended sentence to be honest with you after that because I, well look I don't, I don't know his, what his background was but you know I thought you know first offense number one surely. number one thing he did that was wrong was I, like I don't know the, I've spoke to him about it he, he's always been respectful to me I've always been respectful to him. number one wrong thing he did was go in and make a statement go in and talk to the police yeah, of, course, of course and then given the evidence and what really stuffed up I think uh, in my opinion, and I give out my opinion for free because it's worth nothing. He said, <laughs> I got the guy in a gable grip. So yeah, for, the, for the folks at home, a gable grip, Dan Gable, one of the best wrestlers of all time, had a grip that where you, you know, could pick people up and suplex them and stuff. And they've argued, oh, you knew the grip, you knew this, you know it's a tight squeeze, you know it, where, you know, if he probably thought of the situation again with some clarity and not in panic, he probably yeah. would have remembered, you know, he probably would have remembered or something that, I don't know how, I just grabbed him, I don't know what happens, you yeah. know, something like that. Or uh, you, you go and get advice from a lawyer, it's like, you're not saying anything, mate. We're going in yeah. there yeah. and we're, we're, ple- we're, we're pleading the fifth. Yep. You know, or whatever the Australian equivalent is, yep. you're not saying anything. You're not going in there saying you're getting people in really tight groups and things yep. like that. That's probably, I mean, he, I don't want to tell this guy how to suck eggs, but um, I just, I really felt for, for him. I thought he just, yeah, he may or may not have done the wrong thing, but he was put in a really shit situation that escalated quickly and he mm. was getting hit. And, and I mean, it's all on footage he was getting hit. So why not the suspended sentence for the schmuck? who's a security guard, who's a thug, and for the guy who's a lawyer and in with the boys, same court, same everything, same lawyer, yeah. and he gets to just he just gets to go home and, and, and lay down on his messes. And look, uh, it is, uh, it's pretty disgusting, to be honest, and um, you feel like sometimes, you know, you hear when they say, oh, well, you're security, you're a trained individual, and you just go, well, have you actually seen the security course? Like, if I just do the security course and the restraints that come with it, actually... 
I'm not very much, not a very trained individual, to be honest with you. Well, number one, the courts, the court system in Australia is a magistrate. I think it's Tassie, because I was looking it up when I was going through the courts. 80% conviction, like 80% found guilty conviction rate. So statistically, it's right against you. Then if you get someone like, we were all lucky enough, all the security get a guy who's a uh, magistrate whose nickname was Slam and Sam, <laughs> you know, oh, and that's the, pa- that's the papers that call him that, not, yep. not you know, just the, the, the ruffians around the court, you know, you, you get something like that, you're starting to get shit out of luck and you're just like, oh. and they yeah. said to us, they said to us, so what happened with the guy who was involved in my case, the other security, they got him for a strike to the throat. They bring the witness in, the, 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 the victim, and he said, they, the prosecutor said to him, so you got struck in the throat. He goes, no, I didn't get struck in the throat. I got pushed in the chest. And then they said to the other security guard, you know, you struck him in the throat. He said, no, I pushed him in the chest. So what had happened is the guy had run through the ropes and started wrestling the other security. Then I break it up. I drag the guy off. One counter dragging as an assault charge for dragging the guy off. Okay, and then it's like all on footage, and then you're okay. Then the guy gets you because I drag him off, and you can see me saying, Go away anyway. And you can see the other security guard tell him to go away with his hands. The guy decides to take a foot step forward, security guard pushes him in the chest. They say it's a strike to the throat, whatever he's up on, he's up on a cell charge. All right, turns up, no, it's not a strike to the throat. The victim says, He says it's not a strike to the throat. Magistrate says, I don't care what you guys say. It's a strike to the... I saw the footage. It's a strike to the throat. Wow. And so you're just like, okay, like, I'm, I'm done here. You're going down. Yeah. Like, we're done here. Like, this is... I don't know what this is for. Like, you have the victim coming in saying it. So they're like, we don't yeah. care what the victim says, what you say. We you're like, we don't care. We've got the 720p footage from a strange angle and after so and he said to us going on my rant he said to us you have the responsibility of a security guard of a security guard sorry of a, of a police officer that if any that's what he said you would have the same professionalism and responsibilities as a police officer in in the in the sentencing so written down on record and we're just like well can I get the cuffs can I get the pepper spray can yeah. I get can Where's I get a bit utilities? of bit of nouse just a bit of street yeah. cre- just a bit of street cred that comes with it and it's just like no nah, you can't do that and then so you're just like all right well I guess I guess we're we're paying you fine we're paying you and the funny thing is one of in a, in a separate case I had a mate security got got found guilty and we were waiting for his um. We were waiting for his uh, his sentencing or whatever. We didn't know whether it was guilty or not. Yep. Anyway, have you you've been in the courts and they just keep sending through these people who are like it's all like a sentencing day almost, and it's always a traffic offence. You got twelfth time being caught drink driving, going away. Some bogan just nonchalant, just like okay. And then we're just listening to that. None of us are really paying attention because we've been there for a while and just yep. watching people get sentenced. And. Um, then all of a sudden, we hear non-touching sexual assault of a minor. And we're like, what the hell is going on? Because this is magistrate school, you know, pretty petty. And then uh, we start like an ears prick up. And the story ensues that this guy who looks like just like your, your stereotypical pedophile, like the, the wispy moustache, the big glasses, the wheezing, you know, the neck beard. The story was he got what the magistrate 
described as an extreme minor. So, I don't know, four years old, five years An extreme minor, you're not looking yeah. at teenagers, surely. No. And so he goes, what happened was, it was at like a, a family barbecue, brings the extreme minor into a bedroom, shuts the door, and starts jacking off in front of the extreme minor, sexual assault without touching. So anyway, what do you think What do you think he got for it? Six months, spend the sentence. Very close to $65 fine. No, no conviction. And they were like, oh, okay. Anyway, the next security guy comes up, worked at one of the bars, not one I was working at. Listen to, and we just listened to this, this uh, magistrate tear shreds off him. He says, the magistrate says, oh, you're really lucky I don't convict you, but you'll be getting, you know, such and such $400 fine plus court costs. He, right after this other guy, and then when he walks out, I said to uh, the security guard, I said, Bet you wish you just jacked off in front of the kid. <laughs> like, it was like, what? We're watching it. We're like, what the fuck is going on here? Like, what What are the rules? What goes on? You can you can pull a kid into a bedroom and jack off in front of them. I hope this is R-rated. We're going to have to make this podcast. I always, I always <laughs> tick the explicit box so everyone yeah. knows what they're in but for. But it was, it was like absurd. We're all just looking around. Yeah, I know what you're saying. I... I have been to court before, but it was not work-related. And it was common assault, but this was outside of work. I won't explain the details. But I remember when I was sitting in there, there was a fella who must have had a house that backed onto Canelian Bay walking track. Yeah. And there was like five separate women who came in and said every time they run past, he's got the window open beating his fucking log to him. And... Um, I just remember this judge... In the privacy of his own home. You know, know yeah, of course, you know. And yeah, I just remember the lawyer going, oh, you know, he's a law-abiding citizen. He's never done this before. You know, he does community outreach work. And I looked at this guy and he's got long, greasy hair. He's the seediest yeah. motherfucker. And you just go, I know you're fucking doing it, cunt. <laughs> I know. And the lawyer goes, you know, he was actually wasn't looking at the women. He was looking at his own reflection in the window. And the judge was just oh, like, the smith. <laughs> and the judge is okay, okay, you know, I've taken everything into consideration. Um, it was like one month community service and, you know, pay the $50 fine, pay the court fees. And I was thinking, maybe I'll do all right here. But, yeah. Um, yeah, it was... My case was really strange because I found this fella to represent me, but every time I had caught, he never showed up, so I had to keep getting the extension, and then about... Yeah, often they do that, though, because they're like the big wig. They're like, I don't turn up. I don't turn up for mention. I get like a, yeah. I get a dweeb to do that. But, the, yeah. he, you know, his minion would never show up either. He'd go, oh, well, you know, Sally was supposed to show up, and I said, well, mate, I was there for three hours, and fucking Sally never showed up. And then the second time happened again, and it was like a day before I had to go again, and I called him, and I said, what's going on? He goes, oh, I don't know, I just played guilty. And I was like, okay, thanks, mate. And he goes, well, you fucking did it. And I, well, you didn't say the fuck. Yeah. And I'm going, oh, fuck. So I went and found this. Um, did you give a statement? No, I didn't because I knew that the police were going to be coming for me. And I had a mate at the time who just graduated as a lawyer and I called him and I said, mate, I've done something a little bit silly here. Yeah, and he's and, like, do not talk. And um, he goes, all right, first piece of advice when they come and get you. Actually, they're at the door. They started, they rocked up and they're knocking on the door and I said, oh, the fuck, they're here, here now. And he goes, I want you to go to them and I want you to say to them, I'm happy to make a statement, but I need time to seek legal counsel. Yeah. And the lady 
who was from... Which I know means not a statement. Yeah. Like you're not, you're <laughs> yeah. not making a statement. And the lady that I had to go and see... Well, the, all right, so the constable that showed up was, I don't know, like... She must have been leading the femi- feminist charge because mm. she was like this little rabid dog. And she was like, no, you need to come now. And then I said those magical words and she just went... Yeah. And just stared at me and thought, you motherfucker. Yeah, because you've said to them, I want to seek legal advice. So now you've like in just all this pain for them because you've said the magic words and they can't go through you. Like they can try and get stuff from you. And yeah. whatever you say, yeah, you're, you're saying. But essentially you're saying, hey... Now you don't go through me at all. You go through a representative yeah. and that's paperwork and they're like, you. <laughs> and so she goes, okay, tomorrow you need to rock up. And it was like a Friday night. And I'm thinking, who the, like, no lawyer's going to answer their phone, blah, blah, mm. blah, you know. So she said, rock up to the Kingston station. My name's, you know, whatever the fucking name was. So I called me mate and I said, oh, she wants me to go and make a statement. And he goes, yeah, yeah, that's cool. Just rock up tomorrow. He goes, you're not going to find a lawyer. It's the weekend. He goes, just rock up. Everything they ask you, no comment. Right? Absolutely no comment unless they ask you what your name is and you want to confirm what that is. He said everything else, no comment. Mm. And I said, okay, yeah, cool. So I rocked up the Kingston Station next day and like Kingston Station isn't open to the public on the weekend. So you hit this button. Yeah. Hit the button and the intercom goes to the Hobart Station and um, picked up and they were like, yeah, and I said, oh, I'm after, you know, I don't know, fucking Constable Sally Foster from Home and Away, right? Mm. And they said, oh, she's not rostered on today. And I said, oh, well, she wanted me to come down and make a statement. They said, oh, well, there's nothing we can do. She's not on. And I said, okay, no worries. So I called me, mate. And he said, look, mate, there's your, you know, you've got evidence that you've been down there to try and get it. Bloody blah, blah, blah. Just go home. So I go home two hours later, mate. Fucking cops rock up. Right, ready to take me down. What? Really? And, mate, it must um, have been a slow day. <laughs> must have been a slow business day. And she's going, oh, she's going off. And I said, whoa, whoa, yeah. whoa. I said, I went to the station today and this is what they said. And she goes... Oh, yeah, I'm not supposed to be on. I'm doing overtime. And I'm like, why are you having a fucking go then? You know, just fucking Well, relax. the weird thing about the police is that... Um, I'll have a rag about the police any day. Like, but they're, they, they're just there to collect evidence and take it to the DOJ. So it's like they're evidence collectors. So really they should be these autists that are like zeros and ones. Like, is that evidence? Is that not? But they... Get their knickers in, and, and especially if you say, I'm not speaking to you. Yeah. I got a story. So I got arrested at work when I was working cleaning cars. And so we used to have to cut, park up this car park and put the codes of public car park. And I parked next to this car. And you know, when you open your door sometimes, you like your door opens, stays there, and then like one second later, it might go like tonk and do yeah. that extra couple of mil. Yeah. Well, it did that. Like I was writing something down, the door was. There, not moving, then it moved. Hit this car, tiny next Anyway, this car was a piece of shit car. I go to get out. I look there. There's no, there's no way there's any damage there anyway. Yeah. And then anyway, so I just go to walk off and this guy gets out of the car and he looks like he lives in it and he's you know, talking about like your quintessential wife beater, tattoos all over his arms. He's, he had skeleton fingers or something like that, really long ponytail and just looked like he, he you know, it's... Smoked the devil's dandruff in the in the car you know, <laughs> in his car all day. He just starts going off like going insane, and I didn't even understand where he said. And because I've been you know bouncing for so long, it was all just like through one ear, like just totally calm. I just said, "Yeah, sorry, man." And then um, we're like having this weird stare off thing. We're staring at each other, and he reaches into his footwell, like his passenger footwell. He grabs something. He goes to get out, and I just grab his door and just and push it into him and he's trying to get out and I'm at this weird angle 
and I couldn't like where I couldn't get any strength to keep him in. He gets out and he's got this like whopping knife. Like what and I just see it, I just see the silver bang click and just take off. And I'm just running and I've gone down these stairs and I've jumped like down one flight of stairs. Like my heel, like my heel, because I just landed on it, pushed all the fat that keeps your heel, like yep. bone yep. from stuff. It took me like, cost me hundreds to get fixed, like of therapy. And so, anyway, that is like, run all the way down. I've got this guy, and it's all in the footage, all through the like later on, it's all through him, like camera one, camera two, camera him chasing me. It turns out that it wasn't a knife, it was screwdriver, but at the time I thought it was a knife. Yeah. So I keep running, I must run 200 meters run around this corner and I've got nowhere to go now. And the last thing I want to do is call the police. Like, last thing. I call the police up. They, I'm like, look, this guy's chasing me with a knife and I'm all, like, hysterical. I'm like, <laughs> and then he says, like, uh, calm down. Where are you? Anyway, they said, um, uh, where are you? I said, I work for this car company. All right, come back. You can go there. It's safe. We know it's safe. It's going to be a squad car waiting for you. Okay, get back. The dude's there. Like, the dude's there and he's holding a rag on his head. And then I just like, oh, whatever. And then anyway, the police are like, what happened? I'm like, he's got a knife. He's got a knife. That's all I could say. It's like, he's got a knife. He's got a knife. He's got a knife. They're like, calm down, mate. What happened? And I said, the guy had a knife. Like, he had a knife. That's all I could say. And then the police officer says, yeah, well, he's got this gash on his face. And he's saying that you smashed the door into his head. And I go, I'm not commenting on that. I'm telling you he's got a knife. And he, this guy just, this police officer just clicked, mate. And he was like, don't you talk to me. And I said, and this other woman police officer like, calm down. Let's walk up and see what happens to the car. Well, like, let's see what happened where it was. Anyway, we go up. And before we've ran off, he stabbed the windscreen that I was in of the car. And it's got like one of those spider crack spider webs on it. And I'm saying, because they're not believing me. Like the way they're talking, they're nonchalant. I'm like, what do you think that is? Like, what do you think's happened here? And it's got like a little crack hole there in it. And she's like, so it wasn't like that when you drove it up? And I'm like, no, no, it wasn't like that. And then Officer Dickface comes back. And then he's like, he says to me, he goes, you realise anything you say can be used in evidence in court of law? I said, yeah. He said, uh, what happened to his face? I said, no comment. And I was like, bomb, bang, in the paddy wagon, in my uniform in front of everyone that I work with, taken to the police station. And then, like, I'm like, oh, I'll be processed. Whatever. Processed, through to remand, into the cells for three hours. And then they just got me, like, sweating in the cells. And uh, one of the, the arresting officers was a woman I used to work with. And uh, I'll be a bit more respectful. I'll call her uh, officer bitch, bitch head or something. And then she, <laughs> like after leaving me in there, oh, I had to do the strip search, bend over, show them my nussy because, you know, I keep the weld up there. Of course. Like, you, know, you, you caught me. I was working all day and it turns out that I had a pound of meth up there. Like you've got in there. And one of the things when I was getting processed is, you know, legally you have to give your name and you have to give give your address. That's it. I said, what's your name? What's your address? And are you of Aboriginal descent? And like, uh, you know, and I said, no comment. And he just was like, oh, I don't know what you think this is. You have to tell me. You have to tell me now. I'm like, no, I don't. Just have to tell you my name and address. And he's like, you know your rights. You don't have to tell me. He's like, but I just need to know, mate. Like, they'll give me a hard time. Uh, it's all about death and custody, like you know. And I said, "Look, man, I'm not Aboriginal." And they're just like, "All right, you get the you get the shitty cell there." And then so they put me in the shitty cell. Three hours goes past. Woman 
comes out. This was the only satisfying thing. Officer, officer bitch head comes out and she goes, Mr. Murphy, would you like to come for a video interview, please? I said, no. <laughs> she goes, she, I'm just looking like a loser in my, in my uniform and stuff. And she goes, okay, we'll let you out in 15 minutes. <laughs> well, let's just do that then. Because my lawyer was like, gave me different advice. He's like, you don't have to go into the interview room. You don't have to do anything. You just refuse the interview. Nothing you say will help you. Nothing you say will help you. And then I went through... Isn't that a strange thing? Even if you're telling the truth, they might... Yeah, so so old mate, old meth head gave an interview and he was like, yeah, I got really angry at the guy so I tried to assault him with a screwdriver... You were, what would you call that? Like, what sort of what sort of crime would you call that? What what do you what would you call? That? I would call that assault with well, obviously with a weapon. Maybe yeah, class. common ass- common assault. Oh, common assault he got, and then like though because the 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 police are just they're just dickheads. And then once I said I'm not speaking to you, their game changed. It just changed totally. I was just like, oh, okay, whatever. Like, I'm, I guess I'm here for the long haul. Like, I'm spending the night here. But they can only keep here for a time that's reasonable. And then I went all the way through court. We got up to the third mention. Normally you have one. Two's rare enough. Three's extremely rare. And then, so I was getting dragged through the courts for about seven or eight months. And then the prosecutor just goes, yeah, we're not, we're not going ahead with this. The magistrate just, he never looked up. And then he just looks up, like, whenever I was there watching everyone go through, he never looked up, just looked at his papers. He just looks up, he goes, you're free to go. And I just shook my head at him and just left. Like, it's not his fault, but I was just looking at him like, mate, you just, this is a waste. This yeah. is just a waste of time. Put up on the old Secky Life Instagram, we had a couple of, I said, Connor's coming on, Do we? does anyone want to ask some questions? So we've got two questions, so yeah. I'll go through those. The first one uh, was from a gentleman, Jesse Green. Uh-huh. Wants to know, did you really kill that guy in the car park? Allegedly. <laughs> He's a legend. They never, they never quite got the killer, and it was all alleged. Yeah, okay. So, um, plead the fifth on that one. Well, there you go. And then the next one is from Ryan Elford. He wants to know the worst slash biggest ever fight you've ever been involved in in bouncing. Well, it was with that, that family that everyone knows, and just kicked off. Just like just kicked off quickly. There's stuff. I'll just give like you know the the elevator pitch, throwing stuff all like at us, like yep. bollard stuff. Like just got dangerous. It started getting like three on one sort of uh, into three on one sort of territory. Yep. We all managed to barricade. I, I got chased off by two people and one person with a bollard. I'm running and I've got all my security kit on, so it's like. Five cat man dudes because it's cold in Hobart <laughs> for all our international folks. Um, Funny you say that. I had five people from Germany and one from the UK. Yeah, yeah, in, yeah. So is... the so the folks so so shout out to our UK and Germany uh, <laughs> listeners for the folks at home and cold out in Hobart. So you got beanies anyway. Run all around. Then I'm I'm like I remember just being heavily outnumbered, running away from the pack, like losing my radio, everything, and just being like. <sighs> And then, like, a voice goes, like, don't be a pussy, Connor, and get back over there. Like, you've got people, because I thought everyone was just getting hit, and it doesn't help that I'm away. And so I go back over, and everyone's barricaded themselves into the club. And then um, they've asked for backup, because we're heavily outnumbered, so they've called the boys over from another pub to come over and to, like, try and get some sort of uh, numbers back. And anyway, by 
by this time they've thrown all their bollards, all the bollards at us, so they no longer have weapons. We're still outnumbered, but we've got another three people. So now we're probably only outnumbered. There's probably like six, seven of us, you know, maybe eight, and then maybe 12 of them. As they're coming over, because they're outside the club, we're inside the club, they all start turning around and start bashing like the poor three blokes that came over to help us. <laughs> oh, no. And so getting them on the ground and stuff. And like I've got like a Hodgie calls it the Braveheart speech. And then I'm just like, stop being a pussy and get back out there. We're going back out there. Like, we're going back out there. Because I was just like, man, I just like the guilt would have consumed me. Yeah, of course. And then, so we go back out there. And then, like, it's just, like, now we've got, it's, it's total survival mode, total survival mode. There's people getting, like, you know, like, just, I remember how many times I'd just get king hit, like, just king hit from everywhere. And people are laying the boots in, people are, like, like you're watching people getting booted on the ground. Security guards are doing the booting, um, <laughs> you know what I mean? And they're doing the booting. So yeah. it's just like, but because they're a Bogan family, they run out of puff. Yeah. Like they run out of puff, they all smoke their cigarettes, they all have their bourbon and coats, and you start to watch them. And and what is it, General Lee, you know, in the Civil War, has a great quote, or maybe it was the other, uh, what was his name, Ulysses S. Grant, uh, fatigue makes a coward of us all. And they just start to watch them just, just slowly leave, slowly leave. And so they start going over towards the other pub and I'm chasing, I'm going, where are you going? Where are you going, guys? Like, what, what are you doing? You're not, you're not doing this anymore? I'm like, what's, what's going on? And the police came and they're like, Wah. anyway, I don't know how nothing happened. Over like, you're watching on security camera, people getting smacked in, smacked in the face with bollards. And how big it was is it's one of us knew a, a cop in Western Australia and they had the footage. Oh. Like the footage got all over Australia. Like, yeah, right. check this fight out. It's crazy. And so I don't know how no one died. I don't know how I got seriously, seriously injured. Um, one of the bouncers, uh, Mrs. worked at a radiology clinic at the time. And one of the family members came in after being complained of being hit in the head with a bollard. Like <laughs> it was, it was mental because when they started with all the bollards, cause they picked them up, which was a great strategy. Like, you know. But then, because they started throwing them a lot, some of the security started getting the bollards and they started using them and it just got mental. It just got mental. And again, turn up the next day to turn, go to work. Like, why would you do that? Like, why would you do that unless you had no self-esteem or you just didn't know where you're going in life? You had to riddle me this. Yeah, so they're the fight. that's the fight. Um, no one ever proved the murder. It was, wasn't me. Nowhere close to me, although the guy was devilishly handsome. I was working at a venue in uh, the Gold Coast called the Crumman Creek Tavern. And every time I had to go to a new place, I'd always Google it, you know, just to see what it was about. And the first two stories were about someone getting stabbed. And I was like, oh, yeah, beautiful. This is going to be fun. So I rock up and it's like typical shitty little pub, really small downstairs. And then they've got a function room upstairs. So I meet the manager and he's, you know, this bloke that's got the old chub and tuck and he's you're just thinking this is yeah okay and i said how many guns you got on tonight and he goes just you cobber and i was like oh for fuck's sake and he goes but it's all good we've got a heavy metal show upstairs all you gotta do is check the stamps and i said oh beautiful easy night next night i was rostered on the same place and i said oh what's on tomorrow and they said oh we've got the um end of year drinks for our sponsored sports team which is the crumb and creek rugby league 
And I said, oh, okay. Yeah. And he goes, don't worry, they won't act up because, you know, we we sponsor them. And I thought, oh, okay, yeah, whatever. Anyway, so I'm working this fucking... They get emboldened by that. <laughs> I'm working this... Uh, it's just me again and I'm working this event and uh, I'm just walking around talking to people and um, noticing very quickly that everyone's bigger than me. Yeah. You know? Rugby 2 is they've got 5 to 10 kilos on an AFL person of, of, of muscle. And if you're lucky, you, you bump into a prop who's usually thirty until the like they they can play because they can play a little bit earlier. And you see people like the elite level making their debut at thirty. Everyone else makes their debut twenty two years old, twenty four if you're old. And so you get that. So you're lucky if you bump into a six foot three or four hundred and twenty kilo bloke mm. of muscle, tiny bit of fat, just looks like a power lifter. Yeah, and just full of Bundy. So you know, just watching this, and they all. One fella comes up to me and he's like, oh, you know, you played a good game last week. I said, oh, I don't play, mate. You know, you're typical. You know when someone's etching for yeah. a, a fight? You know, yeah. I just thought, fuck this. So I start walk off, pretend like I'm doing something else. Anyway, a couple of hours go by and they start, of course, they start getting silly. And this big fella goes into the female toilets behind like five females. Which is thought, acceptable you know. nowadays. So I've gone in and I said, champ, you can't be in here. And he's like, right. Because you're fuck. a transphobe. <laughs> Well, this was before yeah, yeah, yeah. the, uh, the transfer. It's movement. acceptable yeah. nowadays. Yeah. yeah, well, of yeah, course, yeah. you know. Continue transfer. And he goes, oh, fuck, fuck. And I'm like, you can't even, not even legible. But he's a fucking massive unit. And even drunk, I'm thinking, I can't move him because he's got 20 mates as well. Anyway, so we get him out into the room. Comes out of the toilet and he's like, do you want me to fucking knock you out? And I was like, well, you know, I'd prefer if he didn't. <laughs> And then next minute I'm getting circled and I just thought, I'm thinking to myself, this is the end, mate, because no one, like, it's just going to be once they've got bored bashing the fuck out of me is when that they'll walk away, not before. And it was like the grace of God, two police officers walked up because it was pretty common that they come to walkthroughs of, of the outlying pubs yeah. and they walked in and like the they all sort of saw and the circle, you know, dissipated and I walked over and they said, oh, you know, I can't, we're just doing a walk. I said, mate, you know, to shut this party down. It's getting fucking wild. And they said, yeah, no worries. Fucking everyone out. And I just thought, yeah, fuck me. They've saved my life tonight. Yeah. Because all I was doing is all I could think of is I had my hand in my pocket into interlocking the keys between my fingers. And I thought, somebody's going to lose an eye. I'm obviously going to die, but somebody's going to lose an eye. And then, like again, lose, lose, pull that out, and you get in the court of law. And the, the 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 least you're losing, like the least you're losing, is you're looking at four grand, five grand in lawyers' fees. Like you know what I mean? Yeah. Oh, well, probably that's a, probably a Supreme Court issue. I know a guy went to Supreme Court, ten grand for lawyers' fees. So yeah, it's just it's just lose, lose, like. Yeah, well, funny story is I used to work with a fellow who is now a criminal lawyer and he always posts up, like, the news stories because he always gets, like... He's is always... he prosecution or is he defence? Uh, I, believe, I believe he's defence because yeah. he's always walking around with bikies, you He know. works for a private company. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So and I thought, you know, if anything ever happened on the Goldie, you know, he'd be the man to see because he's always in, like, you know, you see those short clips from news.com.au and it's always him... And it'll be like, he's got a client who, they show footage, you know, the client, you know, dog punches someone, yeah. and then he, he'll be on the screen, you know, n- person's not found guilty, and he'll be like, oh yeah, my client's very remorseful, it was a good day in court, you know, and <laughs> you're just like, fuck it, hell, mate. Yeah. And I just think, how could you switch, because you would have obviously seen that, but now, obviously, the money is just so good. Yeah. 
you know, because he's driving around in some, you know, Mercedes-Benz SUV. And yeah. You just forget about all those times when, um, obviously, you would have saw it because he worked crowd control. and um, Yeah, yeah, yeah. Now the shoe's on the other foot. You're starting to see this. You just... I just feel like the, the thing with security, again, like having, you know, my, my anti-security rant is you guys can all be... You guys can all be good, but then there's that one security guy who's like, yeah, I'll make a statement. Yeah, I'll make it. And they're like, oh, Eric. Yeah, yeah, he did hit that guy. Oh, what did Eric seem like? No, he seemed pretty pissed off. Yeah. And then it's just like, but, you know, he seemed pretty pissed off, but the guy had had, had egged him on for an hour and punched him in the back of the head. And they're just right down. A witness said that Eric seemed agitated, aggressive, and hit the guy. And that's all they need. Like, you know, you're looking at an 80% conviction rate. Yeah. Like, that's all they need is that person to come along and be like, oh, yeah. Some crazy fight everyone's wearing black and crazy. It's just like, oh, no, no, that one's Eric. That one's, that one's, you know, that one's Stephen. That one's such and such. And you're just like, cool, man, we're all going down now. <laughs> yeah. you got to rely on everyone just, you know, like um, exercising their rights. Doing and the weird thing about security, what I get is we in Australia don't have the right to remain silent, but it's it's deemed that it's one of the privileges, whatever. But... You have a logbook that you have to write down incidents in. So where does the right to remain silent? And it's just like, well, we're going to fine you and we're going to do this and we're going to take your license off you because you didn't write down what you did in the crime that we're trying to charge you with. Yeah. I don't get why. Like you just like you're behind the eight ball so much in the game, yeah. and you're a grunt, you're a scumbag. No one likes you. The police don't like you. The punters don't like you. Management doesn't like you. The bar chicks do. Good on you. You know, that's it. That's what you got. Well, you got one out of six winning, I guess. <laughs> it's like Russian roulette, <laughs> I guess. Yeah, yeah. But I just sound like a jaded old man. That's all right. So the company you worked for, what was your favorite? Did you move around different venues? No, no. Stay, oh, like stayed occasionally, occasionally here, there, but mainly at the one venue. Yeah, on the one venue, on the door... I was guy worked on the door, you know, head of security, making sure who comes in, who comes out for a long time. Yep. I don't see the perk. Like, I really just don't see the perks in the job. People are like, oh, great, you must. Like, there's a fair bit of responsibility. You get a biking gang turn up. And the weird thing about because I used to fight MMA, the, the bikies and stuff, like, loved me and respected it. So, the, like, the hangers-on would be looking to make a... Uh, a uh, like normally the bogans if they knew me especially if they're boxers and stuff we just start talking about our next fight when's your next fight when's your next fight who you got who you got do that but it's just these like weaklings who are just I don't know to impress something if they don't get it their way they'll cry victim if they do get it their way they just hit a security guard yeah made it made it on yeah. the snapchats or the tiktoks or whatever the kids are doing I had a uh, prominent Tasmanian pro boxer one night show up at the door and he was pissed and his missus was pissed. And I said, no, nah, mate, look, I can't let you both in. You're intoxicated. He's like, oh, do you know who I am? And I did, but I said, no, nah, mate, why would I? You just look like you're fucking everyone else. And he goes, mate, I'll fuck you up. And I'm thinking, buddy, just settle the fuck down. Right? We're not going to exchange jabs here. Yeah. Right? You're going to go for a ride up in the sky. And then you're going to come down pretty hard. And then most likely I'm going to get on top of you. And you probably never felt that before. Well, the thing is, too, 
you get this. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter how good you are, whatever. You're drunk. Your reaction time goes down like that. Yeah. You're not in a ring. There's no ring craft. There's no jab feeling out process. And if you're a good fighter, you wouldn't let someone, you actually wouldn't get up in someone's face. You're like, no, I'm going to play the distance game with you because I know you're a schmuck and you can't, you can't close the, you can't feel the distance like I can. But they get drunk and they get up in your face. It's like, all right, now it's 50 50 with just, just some nobody. And yeah, and then you just get, you know, it's like throwing, look, getting in a fight with a drunk person is like throwing sand in your sister's face. Like it's just, just no challenge. Like there's just no challenge there. <laughs> Sometimes though, you'll get into like you know you grab someone and and you feel the power and you just go, "You're stronger than I thought." Yeah, we yeah. might be going for a little rodeo. Yeah, here. yeah, yeah. I used to just, but you know, the experience would kick in. I'd start to go right. I'm going to get into neutral positions where you have to move me. I have to move you, and let's just see who's been on the mat the longest. You know what I mean? Like right, I'll put my chin under your. Yeah, I'll put my head under your chin. I'll just lock up an arm. And I'll just see how good you are at, at getting out, you know, head control, this, that. Because they get, you go, like, I go, shit, I'm in trouble here. What am I doing? I train 16 hours a week. I do this. And this guy's giving me trouble. And then you start to, <sighs> and then you're like, okay, well, now it's a different game. Now it's a different game. So I was always lucky. And I was always really fit when I bounced. Like, always really fit. And just to have more experience than most people. So do you think it's you? Do you think that the MMA was a benefit for you? Like in in a self defense situation where you've got a couple of those those couple of situations where there are way more people than we were, and you just started to see like again they're just like your little sister. I'm throwing sand in their face. Yeah. Like I'm like you know like you were saying with the big overhand rights. That was my because I was a southpaw. I don't get into too much. Of, that was always like my bread and butter. Like, oh, I love it when they throw that because I've got so many counters. So you just see it coming and you're just like, it'd be slow motion every time, yep. you know? So there was never anyone of any threat at the time. Well, not of any threat. Like, obviously they can do damage. Yeah. Like in, when I mean any threat, it's like, okay, if we both agreed to, you know, Queensbury rules, yeah, like... I can't see you beating me. I, what I'm saying, but in saying that, that's not how the street works. They hit you first. That's that's a lot of it. Is they hit you first, they bite you, they do all what do do everything like that. So, but like my restraints and stuff were were okay. Or you know were were used to train with me. You know it's just like okay. But you're just getting yourself into trouble. Like everything's like all right. I did this. This happened. This happened. And yeah, you're getting them. Like you're getting them into better positions, but you can just imagine the courts going, oh, then he did this, and then he did that, and then he yep. did that, and he was trained, and he did this, and he did yep. that. Well, and just like, oh, man. You know, because I the see... The law is a different... I'm really like against... You can be the best fighter in the world. The courts will get you. The system isn't there to protect you. It's there to protect the people who are above you, to be like, hey, you can never touch us as far as I'm concerned. So you're just like, nah, Start away yeah. from it. I see a lot of people who maybe do one or two MMA lessons or jiu yeah. lessons, and the next thing you see them run through and try and do a double on someone, absolutely fuck it up, end up on the ground, yeah. and you just go, mate, what are you doing? I've seen a couple of, well, it's really just one individual who works on the waterfront. You know, I was at a place a couple months back, and he was trying to pull someone out and couldn't move them, so instead of employing something reasonable... He went for a guillotine and pulled Yeah, yeah. or a rear naked choke. You're like, 
Where, what's <laughs> going on here, guys? Why not knock them out? <laughs> like, you're doing the same force. Like, calm it down. Anyway, sorry, continue. But I'm just thinking, why on earth did you, in your head, think that it was the best option for you to pull guard? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. In, yeah. A, in a bar? Yeah, yeah, in a bar, yeah. Yeah, the thing is, the thing is with a street fight in a bar fight, if I got in a bar fight, I would have a... T- like at the time, I would have had a tiny advantage over the other guy if we were both the same size. Tiny. Because there's no subtlety involved. There's no me moving moving back that little bit, watching this. What does he do when I faint this? What's he doing to do that? He's just throwing bunches. There's a girl screaming. A drink's gone everywhere. She's she's dropped a daiquiri and now it's your fault. She's hitting you. Yeah. Like there's all that sort of stuff. You're getting bitten. Like I'm getting bitten. I'm like, what's going on? I'm getting bitten? How do I defend that? Yeah, I get to go home and put antiseptic on it. But I'm the winner. You know what I mean? It's like, yeah. oh, yeah, go to hospital, get the antiseptic, get some, you know, get, get a penicillin shot. But I'm the winner. Like, no, there's no there's no winning. There's no winning. I keep bringing it back to that there's no winning because there just isn't. There just isn't as a bouncer. The stories are, like, the stories are cool when you're 50 and you go, oh, yeah, in my prime, I did that, this, that, and the other. And, uh, you know, with another 50-year-old, all the people, all the kids are looking at you like you're sad. And and you got a few... I've got a few good stories. I've got some funny stories. I uh, met some great guys. And then apart from that, mate, most people are scumbags, filth of the earth, and I don't want anything to do with them. <laughs> can you bring that conversation... Can you bring it up from here, this conversation? Yeah, yeah. true. So... Where, where do you think that, you know, because I, every year seems to be worse and worse if you're working as a bouncer of what you can and you can't do. So in 10 years' time, it's like, well, what are they going to expect from you that if you get any conflict, you're just supposed to well, that's call there. the police? Like, that's there. No, because we used to call the police. Like, the incident that I was involved in with when I got arrested, I called the police. Yep. Like, that was one of our, that was one of our defences. Like, look... This guy was just being belligerent. He was crazy. He was drunk. We don't know what else he was on. We'd called the police. You could see us all putting our hands out, like, get back, like, doing the push on, like, not pushing him, but, but hey, yeah. stay away, stay away. The courts thought nothing of that. They didn't care about any of that. They didn't care that we tried to de-escalate. They didn't, try, they didn't care that we tried to do all this stuff. The courts were like, why didn't you run away, was one of the questions. Yeah. Run away from the door and lose your job. I lose your life. What, what are you worth if you run away as a bouncer and yeah. just leave the door? Hey, that's great. Yeah, great. You're not on a assault charge. You lost your job, though. So see you later because you're casual or whatever or whatever your circumstances are, depending. All right, see you later. So I don't know. It's just a shit, it's just a shit fight. Like, am I the only one who thinks this? I think a lot of people think it when they get out of it, but yeah. uh, probably not so much when you're in it. And it all depends on the circumstances that you're in because, like you said, a lot of people have got a weekday job and they're just doing it purely for the extra cash, which is all right. But sometimes you think, well, how much extra cash are you really yeah. making? Like, if you're a tradie, why not just do cashies on the weekend? Yeah. Maybe they just get sick of it. Like, I had a mate who was plasterer by trade, thought... I'll do security, did security for a year and a half and just goes, fuck this. Yeah. You know, it's just... Or you're doing it to get through uni, then you do get the assault charge. Yeah. And then it's just like, go out and find a job, cobber. You know what I mean? So it's just like... And one thing I learnt was how the public don't know the difference between being found guilty, being convicted, and especially being charged. I got charged with assault. Oh, well, you're done. Like, I'll don't get with... It's like, no, no. Like, you could get to court and be like... The prosecution's like... 
yeah, we don't have any witnesses. We don't know where the, you know, where Eric was at that night. We like, we actually don't have anything. We're, but just, we're just been praying he was going to say something before we saw like case dismissed. Yeah. But for a year while you're waiting for your, for your court case and people are like, you're charged with assault and you're know, going for jobs, they're like, are you up on any charges? It's like, yeah, I'm up on this. And it's just like, no, nah, see you later. Yeah. So, Especially when you work in government, eh? Yeah, yeah, well, yeah, with working in government, but I guess if you'd have to get convicted, which is quite hard, which seems seems quite hard to do in a uh, in an assault situation, but yeah, well, but for whatever reason, whatever aspirations you have, thinking you're going to get out of it, and that you know you've just got to, and look, a lot of people do, but a lot of people don't, and I was always like, no, no, they're suckers, they're idiots. They didn't know what to do. Like me, I don't go around picking fights. I don't do any of that. Yeah. You know, I just defend myself, use minimal force. And that's what I thought I was doing. That's what my lawyer told. Didn't speak to the police. And the, and the, the uh, uh, courts are like, no, no. The assault was over after he spat in your face. Anything you do after that is retaliation. And you're like, okay, so I'm a colostomy bag for someone's spit now. Like that's what I am. And then so, I don't know. I just think, and look, you were in a post what happened to a lot of the guards where where the guards, and what, like, it was just coincidental that we all got done at the same time, maybe, maybe not. Who fucking cares? Like, you know, there was a post time where it's just like, what do we even do now as guards? You're like, can I even touch this guy when he starts throwing punches at me? Like, yeah. what do we do? And then the management may or may not be on your side. Like, you're just like... What so you guys must have been and the last thing you can do is be hesitant in the job. Like that's the last thing you can do. Yeah. So. Uh, for me, you know, I didn't. I thought, fuck it, you know, I'm just going to carry on doing what I'm doing. But it was pretty quickly evident that in no way, shape, or form was management ever going to have you back. As much as they said, and even you know, they'd say you'd pull out toolbox talk and say. You know, you can't go past this barrier. You can't go past that barrier. But they brought all that up. Sorry to interrupt. They brought it all up in court. It matters nothing. Yeah. Like, okay. none of that matters. Like, it's just like, oh, he did this, he did that. Just did that, did that. It's just like, if they want to get you, they'll get you. Like, whatever. Whatever. It's a very depressing... Or whatever. Like, <laughs> you just... You go, okay, that's what... That's what some 72-year-olds decided has, ha- has happened. Yeah. Um, one of the parts of the ruling in, in uh, myself's case and, and another person's case is that the magistrate, he was 72 at the time, he used to be a bouncer. So he's probably a bouncer at a serious place like a sprint cotillion or something. And he's like, when I was a bouncer, I didn't get in any fights. And that's what he brought up in our sentencing. So I don't understand why you guys get in fights. You guys are to be acting like the police. And I'm looking, mate, I'm looking at my lawyer like, is this a serious sentencing? Like, is this a serious sentencing? It's just, no, I think they just, anyway, the wind blows. Yeah, look, of course. And um, if if you were 70 years old, you'd been working, if you were a bouncer back in the day, I'm thinking, you know, like Roadhouse style. Well, I I was thinking, I was thinking, I was thinking pre-Second World War, Probably, you know, like the fascists are still like, is our country going to be fascist or not? Yeah. You're working at a spring cotillion. Some girl didn't bring, some girl was wearing a skirt that didn't go down to her ankles. The guy didn't have the proper, you know, lily that was pinned on the right side. Of it. And it's like, excuse me, sir. You know, like I can't imagine a, I can't imagine a, a 72 year old magistrate slumming it too much. 
Yeah, you know true. I mean? Yeah, very true. I remember back in the early days, I remember when I first started Isobar, I've mentioned this quite a few times, but I didn't have any grappling experience and when I did my security course, they didn't teach you any... They showed one move and it was literally like they'd watched Steven Seagal above the law. Like they just mm. pulled some Aikido move from, from there and you're just like, how the fuck am I going to pull this off in here? And even if I do, now the person's on the ground, how am I going to get them from the top floor out? Well, sorry to keep bringing myself up because I'm a narcissist. That's all right. They bring all this up. They brought all that up in court as well. And I never did any part of my security license with no controls. Like I did it before that. But the other guard didn't. So he had done some. And they're like, what controls do you learn? Why didn't you do the control? So you do the controls and it almost puts you in this box that when someone's throwing like haymakers at you, it's like, Hey, you know, and they're this, that, and the other. It's like, oh, hey, man, how come you didn't, uh, how come you didn't do the the Sugar wrist lock on it? That was on chat on chapter three, paragraph two. Yeah. Like, that was clear time to do it. Because I, th- I don't, look, I may be wrong, but I thought Tasmania didn't really have any legislated um, restraints because I know Queensland does. There was only so much we could do. Yeah. But Queensland was also different in the fact that um, all your radio calls were color coded. So that people would know yeah, what was okay. going on. So someone say, "Oh yeah, we got a code yellow male coming down." You know, yeah. it was some guy that was pissed. Yeah, something like that, right? So you only had certain things that you could use, and um, but yeah, back in the day, uh, all I had been doing was a bit of Muay Thai. So I used to just punch people in the face. Yeah, yeah. Uh, which you know I learned pretty quickly. I was like, I probably should yeah, stop yeah. fucking yeah. doing El- this. Elbow someone in the top of the skull. Yeah. With the, um, the, and the I remember. Um, at- he said, oh, he was talking to me about rear naked chokes and I didn't have any, any fucking clue yeah. what it was, you know. Hadn't watched any UFC at the time. And then they had someone on the roster, his name was Minol. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right? And to me, I, I remember I used to, like, first time I met Minol, they were saying, oh, yeah, yeah, no, Minol does jiu-jitsu. I'm like, what the fuck is that? I thought it was, you know. Oh, yeah, like, yeah. He's just doing Steven Seagal. Yeah, yeah, you know, he's yeah. Van Damme in the water doing the yeah, shadow yeah, boxing yeah, yeah. while the old man's playing. Wax <laughs> yeah, yeah, while the man's playing yeah. the flute. And I just look at him and like, man, I wasn't a big fella, you know. Was, and if you didn't know what cauliflower he is, were either, you wouldn't yeah, take him seriously. Exactly, and I just thought, oh, you know, he's just got some Asian fella, like he's not real big, you know. Yeah, I remember watching him suplex some fucking guy one night that was fucking huge, and then just knee ride him, and the guy was like fucking crying. Yeah. Where's it get you, mate? Where's it get you? Like, it gets you nowhere. Well, I, I remember when we used to work security together and I just think, you know, for me, you know, I was early 20s. So I was like, oh, yeah, working the night shift, bit of cash-ish, you know, you feel cool, like you mentioned. But then I thought there was him and I thought, mate, you got a family. Yeah. Like, what are you doing? Yeah. Like, you got a wife, you got a kid, another kid on the way, you know, and he'd be like, oh, it's just extra money. And I was like, couldn't you find something else to do with your time but I guess he thought that his skills probably translated most mm. to that it's funny you funny you mentioned that I except BJJ so I know I know of a BJJ black belt had an issue with his had an issue with his uh, neighbour pushed his neighbour my friend says do not talk to the play like, do not talk but anyway so it's like very similar situation to Minol sort of thing and then not saying he pushes his neighbour, but you know that, he probably that permanent, re- like waiting for your permanent residency or not, and that sort of thing going on. Long story short, man, looking at getting deported because he pushed his neighbour, spoke to the police. So you go, oh, you've got two kids. At one stage, he probably didn't have a, a, the correct visa, like 
Not yeah. a smart enough guy that he's not going to get himself in trouble. He's never a hot-headed guy. Yeah. But, um, yeah, you just look, you can look at all these situations. And, mm. and uh, like, as you see, I just look at them all negatively because it's just a fucking monkey. Yeah. Unless you're just meeting bulk girls, what's the, what's the point? And yeah. Which is great when you're 20. Like, when I was 24, women, women weren't interested in me until I was 24. For whatever reason. That's when you just start becoming a man. I started probably getting a bit of cash. And also, too, I was just like, I just started getting interested in my own stuff. And the more you stop chasing them, the more they sort of get into you. And then so, like, from 24 onwards, I was getting girls interested in me while I was working. Um, 90% of them were crazy. Like, would boil a rabbit in you. <laughs> well, you, you realise, like, 90% of them would boil a rabbit in your pot while you're at work and you come home and see a dead rabbit. Like, that was it. Like, that, that's the only perk I could think of. Is there another perk? Am I missing something? Uh, look, I guess it really depends. You know, the last... You're the third guest, obviously. The last two guests just talk about, you know, the making of the friends, right? The, the moments that you've shared with people, mm. you know, the camaraderie. But that's about it because you never sort of leave... Oh, well, I've never left a venue and go, fuck, I love that venue. No, I'm just going to go and support that venue all the time. You just remember the people and you remember the... Well, you know, all my top friends, like, you know, as they say, you can count your friends on, on one hand. Yeah. All of them are bouncers. Yeah. Like, they're not from when I went to school. They're not from anything because you have to rely on that camaraderie quickly. And you talk to one, some guy one night and you're like, look, maybe I don't like you that much, but you're on my back. You're the best I've got. We're mates now. Like, where we're going. Like, you know, and to whatever person's fault, there were those people who actually got that. And you'd try to just, that night you'd realise that, yeah, all right, we're, uh, we're mates for, you know, we're in it for the long haul for whatever this night takes us. Other people you're just staring at just blank their face, you know well, what I mean? You certainly made some interesting individuals and post uh, your retirement, I guess we'll call it, was yeah. the company was bringing in pretty much all they could get and that was a lot of people who were looking for visas so there wasn't much i guess you wouldn't say they were really interested in the job too much or saving your ass mm. a lot of them were pretty good but there were some ones where you just thought what the fuck are you well they have here? to work a certain amount of hours in order to keep, yeah. keep their visa so they may work at a fish and chip shop or whatever they're great guys don't get me wrong I used to work with a few, not in security, other stuff. And then I'd say, what are you doing this weekend? I only did 26 hours, so I have to do 40 hours or whatever, so I'll be working Uber this this night. So they're doing it probably they don't want to be there. They just want to be filling in those numbers that they have to fill out to tick their thing. It was interesting when I was listening to, to Alex Hodge talking about they just don't, the cultural gap and how that causes issues. And then... You know, so I don't know. Like, it, it just didn't seem... I'm not saying, like, there was a post-my era or whatever, but it, it things <laughs> things change quickly. Like, I, I don't know why. I don't know why. Just in the bouncing game in general. And I was talking to a, a owner of a club the other day, and what we used to do as soon as we'd start talking to bouncers or whatever, what, what drugs are going around? What drugs are... Oh, man, there's some really crappy cut methy coke going on no ecstasy around oh no what's that like with the deal with punters mate it's hell like it's hell you can't you can't reason with them they're all doing this stuff they buy also too it's like because this guy's a bar owner it's like they buy no drinks they get it on on them for whatever reason they don't want to drink so you might sell two drinks 
Now yeah. I need to sell four drinks to an ecstasy person for whatever reason. These guys don't drink. They get aggressive. They start fights. They'll bite your nose off. Like, what's happened? He's like, ecstasy apparently is something crazy now, how much it costs, he was telling me. And it's just all like, so now it's just methy coke going around. Yeah, true. It's just like, so, but, and that's a cultural change as well in bouncing when, you know, when you, if you bounce long enough, you go, what the hell's in the ecstasy? And you start seeing people who are really gack because good ecstasy comes in and the bad ecstasy goes out. So people used to taking three pills. They take one pill now. So all of a sudden you're getting like ODs going off because it's just like, oh, this guy's taking three pills because they think that it's crappy, crappy ecstasy going on. So we go through all these phases, changes cultures, changes the way things going out. You're as a security guard are dealing with this. The police don't care about it. Your management don't care about it. You just the only people who care about it are those guards who really pick up on what's going on. Yeah. Did you have that experience? Uh, Maybe I did. not at a pub so much. Nightclub definitely. Yeah, I used to work. There was a venue that I used to work out um, that was you know I liked working out, which was the lower house. And I'd left the lower house to go and work for Smug Group. And then after I departed from Smug Group, I was doing a couple of shifts at lower house. Um, for, you know, a bloke that I used to know. And the problem, it was the same problem. You know, people were coming in not really as social as they used to be, but they don't buy drinks. They just go straight out into the smoking area and they just stay out there and they just anti-social behaviour and you're just thinking, why the fuck are you even out, mate? Yeah. Like, and if you were a bar owner, you'd be thinking, like you said, you know, people aren't buying drinks and they're all just going out into the cigarette area to, you know, continue to do drugs and things like that. And... Yeah, it was pretty pretty brazen, actually. You know, you just catch people. People, you know, you stand up on your little ledge and, like, you watch them and you just be like, I know you're about to sniff some coke. And then you just change your position and then you you just go, it's time to go. Used, oh, no, 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 I wasn't doing anything. I used to say to them, you'd see them in the toilet, I'm like, yeah, the old donkey, you know, you'd see, like, four sets of guys, like, eight feet, four sets of guys, and it's like, you're either doing coke or jacking each other off. Either way... It's not good. You gotta go. But isn't that funny that you chuck people out? You know, you see two sets of feet and you throw them out because they're just going, no, 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 we're, we're gay, and you're just like, nah, sorry, you gotta go. Either still. way, mate. And you're just like, like where's the gay hate parade coming? <laughs> you know, I was yeah. just, you know, you just waiting yeah. for them. But I remember but, we, it was great too when you get like you get your old term like heteros. They're like, we're not doing anything. I'm like, well, what? You're jacking each other off then? And they're like, no. Nah. I'm like, so you're doing coke? Like, yeah. there's two things you could be doing in here. The best was um, the new O bar has quite a few cubicles, and you'd go in there, and obviously I don't know the venue. Oh, okay, but, but continue. Yep. Yeah. Did, did you ever go to the old ISO, ISO bar? I don't know any of these venues, mate. They're, they're all nameless, faceless places. Fair right? enough. All right, so four cubicles yeah. next to each other. They always pick the middle one, and if you're lucky enough, the one next door is free. Stand up on the on the on the bowl, and you look over, and you're just watching them, and you just go, "How are we doing?" They just go look up, and you say, "Oh fuck." Yeah, well, I remember I had a I had a joint uh, in my young years out in a in an outdoor area, and I they kicked me out, and I knew the bounce when I got out. The bounce said to me, "You come." I said, "Look, man, like he sees me first, and I'm like, look, man, if you want to kick me out, like I respect your decision. I've got to go. I understand you have rules. I'm like, I'm just having a joint, like whatever, and then." They're like, all right, you're going. And then I go out the front. And they're like, this guy's smoking a joint. And I knew the front bounce pretty well. They're like, 
can we just let him back in? Like, and I, I think to myself, it's like, look, but everyone else is doing meth around the place, but yeah. mine smell like the smoke. I what I'm doing smells like. Yeah. Is that your issue? Because the most I'm going to do is get a little bit tired and sit in the corner and drink. Like you yeah. know, oh yeah, we better we've got to keep that guy away who's smiling too much. And then there's just some weird, there's these weird rules that no one quite knows why it makes sense, but apparently it makes sense. So Yeah, towards the end, I'd just leave it, mate, if I smell weed. People go, you smell weed? Well, I can't smell Well, weed. when I first started watching, I'm, I'm watching when I first started bouncing, and I'll, I'll, and I'll name this person, Alex Hodge said he won't mind. Uh, he's, he's like, is someone smoking weed up there? We're talking to that. Is someone smoking weed? I'm like, good. Hope they're passing it to the left-hand side. Like, who cares? That's what I want. I want them a little bit docile, up in there, just chilling out and having a few drinks. But all of a sudden, no, I, smoke, I, I, I snort some shitty meth and that's acceptable. Because yeah. like, you'd see people walking around with a little bit of powder on their nose. You're like, mate, your nose. And they're like, oh, sorry. <laughs> they give you like a wink and ah, you're cool because yeah. you're not kicking me out. It's like, yeah. can't be bothered, man. You're just yeah. a loser. You're just a loser. And anyone who does meth, fact is a loser. Like, I'm going to put it out there. You heard it first on Eric, <laughs> on Eric Elford's podcast, episode three of The Secchi Life. Oh, jeez. The ratings are going to plummet. Well, actually, I don't even know. <laughs> yeah, well, it's all meth addicts that listen to it. It's all meth addicts. I'm getting rid of all you. I'm getting rid of everyone that listens to the podcast. So. I think the majority of people that listen to us are actually ex-security or current security that can relate to what we're actually talking about. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, and I said to a security guard who was started, and he, and he came back to me a couple of years later, and I said, man, like, he's like, asked me about it. I'm like, mate, name your price. Name what your values are, whatever, because your life, if you just turn up to work every night, your life will become chaos. Yeah. And he goes to me, he goes, Connie comes out, I'm like, if you have no principles, why are you going to quit? What's going to make you quit? You just, your life will become chaos and you'll see all sorts of crazy shit, all sorts of negative stuff will happen in your life. You've got to go. And he came up to me like two years later and he's like, mate, when you told me that, I just thought you were just like a sad, crazy, like he said, he's like just a sad, crazy dude. He said two years later, I remembered every time something happened, what you told me. And he thought, I got that out of there as soon as I could. And so I was just like, I wasn't like a changed life or anything, but I was like, fucking, I don't even remember that. Like I tell that to everyone. Yeah. And it's true. If you don't have, what's your limit? Like, is it is it a guy? Like, I've seen a stripper shit in another girl's shoe, Eric. Like, that has happened. <laughs> I've seen that. Like, I've seen a stripper dressed as a fairy shit in another girl's shoe. Like, if you want to see a jaded guy who's seen everything. And I just was like, stuff like that was becoming normal to me. Yeah. You know what I mean? I've seen all sorts. Of, I saw a guy bro- try and break into, a, break into a boat around the corner. He went into the little circle window. Got stuck. All of his friends got him naked. Started rubbing motor oil on him to get him out, and they couldn't get him out. The police couldn't get him out. The fire brigade couldn't get him out. So they had to smell. Oh, the fire brigade could get him out. They had to smash this yacht up because it was this person's dad's yacht, and they knew they had beers on it. And so I'm watching a dude who's got motor oil all over him to try and lube him out of this window. His mates don't want to get. Uh, they're close dirty, so they're all like semi naked. The guy's full naked, and I'm just like, I don't want to go home. Like these guys, the 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 fire brigades are like parking me in. So you're just like, what the fuck is going? And then I look back, I'm like, why did I just go through all that crazy shit? 
Yeah, I remember they used to have a cereal shitter at Isobar. You know, they used to have a 10-ounce plastic glass and you could never catch whoever it was. But imagine uh, chocolate ser- soft serve, like, perfectly placed. Yeah. And you just think, like, what fucking animal's getting off on that? And then... Because who I was working pre TikTok too, yeah. So they're not, they're not. There's no one to be like, yeah. I am, I am the soft serve. I am the Wendy shitter. Yeah, you know, you know it I was mean? just you know pure enjoyment on their part, knowing that someone probably had to come in and yeah. pull, you know, pick that up and trap it. In yeah, a yeah, some some seventeen year old glassy trying to make a couple and of bucks. I was working at Soho as well because it was the same company. And then they showed up at Soho. One time I walked in for a piss, and here we go. Wendy shit us. And I just yeah. thought, fuck me, dead. And so you know what they did to counteract it? They thought it was a good idea. They took all the cubicle doors off. So if you had to shit, yeah. you didn't have any, yeah. pro- you didn't have any, yeah, have any privacy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't think... Touche. <laughs> well, I remember the telly, the doors never used to lock. And I remember looking for a fellow one time that must have got back in. And I was looking for him, and I thought, I haven't checked the toilets. Right, and there was a prominent band that used to play there that I hated. They were the biggest bunch of fucking cocksmokers yep. ever. And there's one cubicle, and like you just, I pushed the door lightly, and I got resistance, and I thought, this cunt's fucking yes. in here. He's fucking in here. Yeah, six The true detectives is coming out. Matthew McConaughey at it, and I've lined it up. Front kick, fucking smashes the door, and it's just, the, it's the lead singer of the band. He's like, are you right? And I, I said, sorry, I was looking for someone. Obviously not. Yeah. You. See you later. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Who the fuck would take a shit at the telly anyway? Oh my god! Come on, what are you doing? The thing is, the only time you could take a shit at a nightclub is if you've just had that much extra and you got to go. I want you to shit your leg because that's apparent. That's what happened with the stripper who shat in this other girl's shoe. She had like had too much ecstasy. She was walking out of the um, out of a, a. VIP as another woman's going in shits ever explosive diarrhea all over this girl's leg so she ends up like going downstairs freaking out she's like God, I got shit on my shit lovely woman too the one who used to come out and you know had got shit all over shit anyway she uh, is like cleaning up and I'm just laughing and I gave her every water bottle we had which was about eight at the front door she, and, I, and we always kept tea towels to wipe up if someone spilled a drink so gave her it all she takes off a she takes off her shoe, mate, and there's a little nug in there. Like just this nug. <laughs> and so anyway, she walks out. She walks out and this uh she's like all the friends are like, what the what's happened? They're like that stripper dressed as a fairy shat him shat on my leg and shat in my shoe. Anyway, the the fairy stripper walks out and her friend's like, Did you shit my shoe? And the stripper's like like you know just calling the offensive and then her friends like her friends like well look yeah whatever like go off with me but at least i'm not a two-year-old shitting people to shoot and then the the stripper just goes crack and punches it straight in the face claret starts coming out of her nose and then i'm just like because i used to get embarrassed in these situations i'm like what am i doing here like what am i doing here i'm trying to now navigate between hey woman dressed as a fairy can you please not shit in anyone's shoe and then she so she gets the claret the cops come the cops turn up they're like what's happening I'm like look the fairy shat in the girl's shoe and the sergeant's like what I'm like she shat in her shoe and she's like what do you mean I'm like look and there's like shit everywhere and uh, the sergeant goes watch this and goes to the constable goes investigate that woman's shoe and the constable's like, okay, and just looks at it and sees a little nug. And so we're all having a laugh, like there's that sort of stuff. But you go, oh, what a story. And I go home and there's no, like, oh, what a story, that was cool. I'm going, 
Why am I here? Like, what am I doing at these crazy places, dealing with these sorts of people and just, like, where's my soul going? Yeah. Like, where's my... Did you ever have that feeling? It's like, oh, I'm not a spiritual time, man. Mate. I'm not a spiritual man. Yeah. But it's just like, what's happening to my soul? I wasn't too much worried about my soul until sort of the end where I realised that I was becoming like a grumpy old man, but I wasn't mm. really that old. But I used to have to go through cycles where I just go, why the fuck am I still working security all the time? And you go through it, you'd be like, you know, you could bear it. And then you just go, oh, I don't really like being here. Oh, I fucking hate this place. And then you'd go through your cycle yeah. again. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Cute girl smiled at me. Cycle again. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Or, you know, you had a good sleep or something, or maybe you had some time off, or maybe you went on a holiday and you go, fuck, I'm ready to roll yeah. again. And then you go through your cycle. But if you were going through your cycle, it was hard when you're going through your cycle when you didn't want to be there to try and be polite to people and use verbal de-escalation because yeah. you just wanted to fucking pummel everyone. I never had, like I did, there were those people who didn't like me and I didn't like them for whatever reason. Yep. And at least there was that mutual understanding. But it was the guy who thought that you were his best friend and would come up and crack a joke that wasn't funny every night. Yeah. Ask you how you just want to stand and talk to you when you know oh, you're busy as hell. And it would happen every time and he stands around like a you know, like a shag and right, like a bad smell. And you actually had nothing to say to him and you just really want to tell him, get your life together, you're a loser. I don't want to talk to you. But you, you're you not that person. You're respectful. You're like, hey, yeah, I'm going. And then you'd see him the next week. You're like, at least the guy that you didn't like, you're like, keep walking. Like, keep walking. Yeah. And he's like, yeah, you dog. And I'm like, you keep walking. And it's just like, you get that. So, you know, I really hated like that, defla- that deflation you get when that person would turn up who was just a knob. Just you just didn't like him. You're like, what are you doing here, man? You're 33 years old, hanging out with 22 year olds. You try to pick up the same 21 year old ever. She's not into you, and so you're bored now. You've come down and talked to me. Ask me what I have to do to be a bouncer. And you're like, go away. Don't like, you love that chat? Eh? I brought that up with Alex, and I said, yeah. the fucking people always. Oh, what are you gonna do? It's not a hard thing to get along. I'd be like, don't talk to me. Don't talk to me. Don't talk to me. <laughs> Because I tried, man. We'd all sat there and given the 10 minute spiel and be like, yeah, cool, ring me when you get it. And then they're just there the next week. They're like, oh, you need to. We had this conversation last week, sweetheart. Like, I'm not doing it again. And yeah. you become jaded. You become jaded from yeah. it. You become jaded. So, like, I was having these, like, like I said, the issue with the soul was you come on, some guy would try to get it over you and you never want to fight him. And also, too, because I was doing MMA. And fighting people who were serious about MMA throughout the the, the country, because um, I didn't like I used to fight over Sydney and all that sort of stuff. I was in a world where I thought like I was on that level, and then you get people on that other level who just they've never been in a fight in their life. So I was like, when someone wanted to pick a fight with me, I thought they were serious. I thought they were trained because that was the life that I was living. I'm like, I'm taking, not taking a risk with anyone. I know what a good smack in the face feels like. It's not freaking nice. Yeah. And so, I don't know, like I'm going off on a tangent there, but it was just, I was like really, and then you'd get an arrest, someone finally went arrested, like getting a fight with you. And it was just like playing, like I said, like playing with your sister or something like that. And you're just like, oh, this person's never trained in freaking life I don't know. yeah so you'd go through so you'd you'd, you'd do something just say you'd, you'd, you'd fight them or whatever you would um once you fought them 
you would go, or whatever the, the scuffle, whatever you want to call for, it's like, yeah, well, Lisa didn't put up with his crap, but now I may get in trouble, now I worry about this. So then you take their abuse and you go home, and you're like, I'm a man, I shouldn't be putting up with that guy just telling me this, like, you know, he's he's like far lower than me in, in the, you know, in the stratosphere, why am I putting up with this bullshit? Yep. So I just have this conflict within myself and I do it all again the next fucking week. Did you ever get that? Yeah, look, sometimes, because you, well, you think about it and it's just like someone will be mouthing off to you or something like that and you just think, mate, like the things that you're saying, you should get some punishment for that. But you're just like, oh, if I act, what's Yeah, going? you're it's not just, worth it. I'm not exactly, a violent person. Exactly. I don't want anything to do and then, with this you know, situation. Police are going to look into it and they're going to go, oh, well, you know, he was just saying that he was going to kill your mother and fuck your sister when you were asleep. Like, what's the big deal? Yeah. Like, you could and, just... and And the weird thing is, like, going back to what we started originally, that's a common assault, what they're saying. You would tell the police, he just threatened me. The police would go over and say, hey, you threatened me. He's like, yeah. They'd even admit it, like, yeah, he's a dog. And they're like, move on. And so the police let off all these threats constantly. And let's be honest, if you had to go to court every time there was a threat, you'd never go back to work. Yeah. And then, you know, and then... So it becomes a part of the culture where you're just getting threatened. The, the courts no longer even care if you get threatened. Yeah. So you're just like, you're just pushing shit uphill. I believe it is sort of the same thing for the police because I have talked to a couple who have been assaulted and I've seen it and so I've yeah. had a witness statement and they just go, I'm not even going to bother doing the paperwork because it's yeah. not going to go anywhere. And yeah, go, well, that's a bit That's a bit sad, to be yeah. honest. Yeah, yeah. Because, I th- you know, on the mainland, I thought they were doing a lot of things that you couldn't, you know, if you assaulted emergency services, you had to do a minimum yeah, where jail sentence. That's the same here, but security aren't in there because we're pieces of we we. You know, their pieces pieces of shit, apparently. So an ambulance driver, who they get a solo lot, police officers, like a year up to three years for touching a police officer, up to three years. Um, You know, so you put your hands on them for no reason, you can cop three years. You put your hands on us for no reason, well, nothing, nothing. Yeah, well, Ryan, my brother, I think he's had two charges where he's been king hit and both of them, you know, got nothing. Yeah, but if he would have, if he, let's say the shoe was in the other foot, and the fellow was standing there, and he said, "Look, mate, you need to get out of the line." The guy was like, "Ah," and then he just went fucking smack. We're talking about that with the Isabar guy who, you know, threw the guy allegedly on, you know, allegedly, no wait, definitely <laughs> on his face, or you know, drop whatever. Three months, someone else. Suspended sentence. Like, it's why is it security? You think? I think we. I think it was just. Easy target. Yeah. Police can go, well, mate, that guy just ran off, but we got you. We're just All I need to know is know your number. I can go look in the register, name, address, everything. Oh, my God, this is easy. How easy is this? I get two things on my record. You know, I get to, get to tick off two things. I get my quota or whatever for the, for the month or the year or however they do it, you know. Yeah. And then it's just like, so it's the low-hanging. You're always the low-hanging fruit. So if you had your time over again, let's say in an alternate reality, you got to live your life from before you started security, would you do security? No, no way. No way. It is such a mugs game. It is such a mugs game. Like if if you can string two words together, go get a job somewhere else. Go push some, go be a paper pusher. Go do something where, you know, you're just sitting in an office and making a little bit of coin. The coin for bouncing, I don't know for you, for me, it was really good. Wasn't worth a cent of it. Like, I just wouldn't do it. Is that being honest or what? 
Yeah. There's nowhere to go. Like I just keep going. Like it's crap. Yeah. You're a schmuck. Yeah. You're you know you're a, like once I got out of it and I started going into you know working you know for whatever. Um, you just thought, wow, man, it's not really hard to sort of learn the game and start climbing the ladder a little bit to you that's live in a very comfortable place. Why didn't I do this? And I watch, I've just seen, like, for instance, a graduate go from straight out of uni, did the graduate position, walk straight into a job, boom, massive, like, massive money. And you're just like, oh, that? Yeah. All I had to do was that? Yeah, it can be. Well, I guess it depends on what you, you know, why you got into it in the first place. Because for me, I was on the link. Yeah. And uh, they were like, you either do a course, you have to do one of two courses. One was security license, one was forklift license. Yeah. And I thought, well, security is going to take the longest, so you know it's going to be a bludge. But then it turned out, that security I think, I think a lot of men four days. I think a lot of men, yeah, yeah, you're exactly right, and it's like, but you could go. You by now, you would have done your forklift. <laughs> you probably would have done like your, your crawling in small places or whatever the fuck that thing is. Yeah, yeah. Then you do your heavy, and you'd be making 120 g a year by now, you know. And you'd yeah. just be in a crane going like with a little lever going like. Boop. And you just be well, that's it. Shit. You never know, like that tree branch into another dimension. Yeah, you never yeah. really know what you could have, what you could have done. Yeah, but that's just a part of life. One of the things with, with security is that you do learn. Like I just picked up on, like people are bullies. A lot of people are bullies. Those people who go out pick and fight. It's just like you were just the guy who used to steal people's lunch boxes and stuff out of their, you know, slap their fucking books out of their hands. You're just a bully. You've put, picked it up in the re- in, in the real world now, and you tell everyone you're a tough C, but you're not. You're a bully. Like yeah. So you sort of, and then you go, okay, that goes, and you pick up, someone says something, like, oh, this guy's just a bully. I know this person. And there's, like, you put people in the categories because you've seen so many different scenarios. And you're like, oh, you're the one who just broke up with his missus. Oh, you're the one who's mentally ill. Oh, you're the bully. <laughs> you know, you're the bully. This, this woman... Went to, it was funny. She was just going, I said, look, the Bridgewater bus is that way. I said, go take, go home and take your meds. And she just went and kicked me as hard as she could. And I just like naturally checked it like in the tie thing and just felt the bone on bone and it hurt me. But I knew it hurt her. <laughs> and then she just goes, she looked at me and she could see she was in pain. She goes, I did take my meds. I did take them. And I was just like, yeah, because I know you're the mentally ill one. Like, And so you just, it was really weird. It was almost like when Keanu Reeves realises he's the one and he's just seen zeros and ones. I'm like, oh, okay, this is easy. You're that person. You're that. Had that many different interactions. And that's really taken me, like, I've got some advantages in the world. Okay, I know exactly what's going Someone says something to me, someone will know. I'm like, I know exactly what you're talking about. I know exactly who you are. I know what will happen here. Did you get that or like I've been down this road? Do you feel that? Yeah, you meet all those different personalities and uh, all those different types of people. And then funny thing is when you see them in the workplace. Yeah. And you just go, oh, okay. Oh, I embarrassed. I used to embarrass people. I said, what? You were just talking. You were just trash talking me last night. Now you're just try- quiet as a church mouse. Like what's going on there? Like no, no, the sacred code has been broken. I can, tr- I can treat you like crap when you're at work, but you can't come into my yeah. workplace. I did that once to someone who was at a catering thing. I said, "Oh, you're not talking to me tonight." I said, "You were really chirpy last night because he he crossed the line." Like usually, I won't embarrass, but this person crossed the line. I'm like, "You're not talking to me," and then he ran off. So I followed him. 
And then you're like, he's busting my butt. What's going on, mate? You're, you're, he's, you're all chirpy last night. Now you're quite as a church mouse. And then he's busting my What happened? Like, you know, my mind, he crossed the line last night. And he goes, oh, no, he did. <laughs> I'm just like, okay. And then we just do it. And he brought me out some, uh, he brought me out like this special platter thing for me. I'm like, we're cool. We're, <laughs> we're cool now. So, That's yeah. nice. We've hit the mark, mate. Yeah, great. So, Ended um, on a high. That's it. Like that story, great. Very nice. Don't do security. I'd rather you catch eight. <laughs> I was going to say that's the high we're Anyway, catch eight. I was going to say, do you have any shout outs for anyone or anything? But I, I want to shout out, you just shout out anyone who's caught monkeypox in the last. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I'd rather monkeypox is not as bad as security. But you know, yeah, that's it. I'm not shouting out anyone. Do not do the gig. It's a schmucks game. Leave as soon as you can. Well, thank you very Let's much. Turn off. <laughs> thank you very much. <laughs> Thank you very much for uh, joining this corner. It sure was a pleasure, and I'm sure everyone will get a kick out of listening to your your perspective. <laughs> Thanks, mate.